Welcome Hi, to another I'm episode Stuart of Huff. Stuart Huff's At night, I'm a stand-up comedian. But during the day, I, I spend say, my time roaming through junk shops that, that hopefully really smell like mildew. I'm not sure. looking for antiques, no. I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price... Then they come home with me. That's a capital this podcast duh. is accurately named Stuart duh. Huff's Obsessive uh, Curiosity. My guest today or on couch one is Peter John Burns. Hello. Who is uh, the expert in the room right now? Well, he's going to say some words about he's not really an expert. But when you have two idiots in the room and a guy that knows something, right. then the guy that knows something... In is the kingdom indeed, of the blind, <laughs> yeah, is, is the it, expert. Is there somebody else here, or are you referring to me as an idiot? No, I'm, I haven't gotten to you yet. Okay, uh, Mr. Jumpin' Jack Flash. All right, and on couch B is Tom Simmons. Two, the two gentlemen in the room. I highly recommend you look them up. Peter's got a podcast. Tom is working on a podcast that I, you know, it, you, right now it's not a hundred percent a go. Right, might not happen, but you've recorded some. Right. You've got some footage. It's just going to take a lot of work, and I'm more of an idea guy and less of a follow-through guy. But, but if yeah. I can get the proper people to to chip in on the work for what, you know, this idea is going to be interesting. Right. If we had ever known how much time we were going to spend editing versus creating, we probably all would have tapped out a long time Sure. Yeah. Especially when you look at the paycheck. Right. Then, you know. But if somebody else can edit and Tom, it's going to be a fascinating podcast, I think. Do you, did he tell you about it, Peter? No, he did not. I'll give There's it a, probably I'm, a reason for that. I'm going to give it an overview. Do you? Do you I'm no, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear if I've if I've told if I've pitched it well to you. So I could if you maybe you have right. a clearer picture than I have. Let's see. All right, all right. Let's see what I got. Let's all see right. what I got. Now, Peter's Peter's a father. Has two kids, right? Correct. Now I'm going to guess. Were they in sports when they were? You know, oh, I mean, he played. My son, who's now 15, played soccer when he was like eight. But that's okay. That's just a bunch of kids running in a herd well was he in drama or in any like of these like anything well he's got a second degree black belt in taekwondo so he does that okay and he he did a play or two that's more of a solitary thing not a team i mean there's a you know you end up going to classes so you're working with people Mm -hmm. a lot because you can't spar by yourself okay but it's not a team sport right but there is some competition right there are some competitions in it or is it all just training uh his his school doesn't do a lot of you know, competitions. It's, okay. You know, it's it's more zen. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way right. way maybe it's, that's so your son has been educated wisely then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I really like the guy who runs his school because you know he's all about you know if there's a awesome. if, if there's a situation that's dangerous you know you guys with your black belts you run you run if you can you know and right if you can't well now here's where the taekwondo kicks in but your first. Your first rule is, can you get the hell out of there? Then that's what you do. I'm like, that's, that's funny. That's like, good. like some parents are like, I want him to learn Zen and to, to really connect with himself and with his, his body and all that is and all the movements. And then there's other parents who are like, when do they get to? When does my son get to start kicking some people's asses? <laughs> right, right. I want to exactly. see him fight. Right. Which is to me part of what uh, Tom's podcast is going to be is Tom's son plays little league. Right, okay. at, a, at a com- very competitive level, from what I've been able to understand. Somewhat. Yeah. Some, like, the lower end of competitive level, yes. Okay. Uh, well, and let me rephrase a little bit here. Uh, ev- well, the, the parents that are involved, there are some parents that drop their kid off, and they sit in the stands, and they knit, or they, they, they're on their phones, and they don't really pay attention, right? But a lot of the parents are uber 
yeah. Uber involved. They're they're beyond helicopter kids. They're drone helicopter parents, right? Yeah, they're yeah. drone there's, parents yeah, now. Yes. They're you know they're, they're, they're dropping bombs. Oh, they're and they're dropping bombs on coaches, umpires. They're yeah. so pissed that their kid, you know, isn't Mike Trout. You know what I mean? Right. So, Sometimes the cops show up to take a coach away. You know what I'm saying? A coach and his wife away. Are you, really? Sometimes it's little league. You know what I mean? There's, there's. See, wait a minute, wait a minute. Pause. Hit pause. You just went. It's little league. What? What do you mean? Cops come over and take a coach, and you went. It's little league. It's, it's, it's not, does, This isn't a prison softball game. But it does stand. It does stand out. But that's what I mean. Over over sort of the years of being in it. Like every every season, basically, you start like you either are stay with the team you've been on, or you get on another team, and then there's. Like depending on how much it costs to be on different teams or the practice facility, and it's like then you every time it's like this they're not doing any coaching or we lose all the time, and it, it, the teams always sort of not always but a lot oftentimes will deteriorate, and over time you have a core of five or six kids and families, and then other kids join come those and go, teams right? come it, and go, and sometimes it's a rebuilding year. Yes, yes, and so there's uh, there's little every every weekend you play four or five games or it gets rained out, and there's always like a weird tension or a dad screaming at his kid like I don't care if you make mistakes just don't embarrass me and you're like oh, what <laughs> you know like it's so funny to me yeah and sad and yeah. then my wife will right? be you can't say that out loud Tom <laughs> <laughs> no but and then I've been on the other end where I've been coaching and then like with the other coach it's like you start to hear all this stuff coming from then the parents are texting about where they want their kid to play and then everybody's complaining about how you're doing the lineup, and we'd be doing better if we didn't make. They have the same complaints that most people have watching sports. The umpires are against us. The coaches are making mistakes, and it's and it's always sort of they, everybody thinks their kids going to the major leagues, and it's there. It's just this beautiful turmoil. And I'm the sort of person I like to try to cause trouble. I, uh, people, some people would call me a shit stir, but it's not by design. <laughs> I just, I just sort of. It's I, not by design, but it is by impulse. And right. I can't keep my own mouth shut when there they start go. telling there me. They start telling me this team doesn't hustle. I'm like, let me tell you. You know about the lady that was on our other team that didn't have, that left our team and, and then had sex with the coach's dad, like the kid's granddad. And it, like, the next thing you know, you're filling in on the soap opera. This happened. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's so it's so I yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm I, glad you put it that honestly because that's it. what I want in the podcast. That's what interests me about this. So here's Tom's idea. He's he's already interviewed the coach for his his son's current team, right? Okay. Got about five hours of, of of audio on that dude, right? And Tom's just going to collect information. He's going to be interviewing parents. He's going to be talking to the coach. He's going to be and not releasing them right away, right? Collecting over the season. He's going to collect. Could you, if he starts releasing them, and there's obviously these parents are nuts, right? There's and gonna, they there's, hear this, right? There's going to be some tables flipped. They're going to be furious, right. and then Tom's right. going to be kicked off the team, and his son's not. So Tom's idea, I think, is very smart. Over the season, he's going to cl- be collecting all the recordings, all that. When the cops show up, he'll interview the cop, and you know all that stuff. And then once the season's done and his child is safe, right? Then he'll release it all to us. And it may go fine. It may go that there's only a couple parents that are mad. It's no. little league baseball. It's but somebody always fine. quits middle of a tournament or something. There's something there's some happens. drama. Yeah. Yes. Sure. And there's a lot of parents that are just furious and right. crazy. So this and is going to be this. And I'm a little one of them. Tom too, is one so, of them. Yeah. Yes. So that's the idea is to capture it, and then also to maybe call some of the games and maybe interview a couple of the kids even, like have my son talk about the season from his perspective, like. Sure. You know, all he hears yeah. is his mom complaining about the coaching and then whatever happens in the dugout, you know. Right. So this is going to be like cereal, but for Little League. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay, I think it's perfect. a good idea. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I, I think you're gonna have to move, but I think it's a good idea. I told the coach yeah. that I was like, "You sure you want to do this, man?" He was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be great and fun and fun." And he's like, and because he's really into it, like like with the statistics, it's like a fantasy league for him. Plus, he likes to help. Okay, so he's a sabermetrics coach. Yes, yeah. and and the coach has no clue. And what's I just told him, I said, "You know, this is gonna destroy your organization." <laughs> <laughs> But because, you know, I mean, you know, those people where, you know, you've loaded the boat down. So there's so much crap in the boat that it's barely floating. And, and you know, you look at the, the person, you go, you sure you want to get in? Like, eh, nothing's going to happen. And that's the way I feel like the coach is. Like, right, right. You, he, do, he doesn't understand that the water's lapping at the gunwales of the boat. And, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And then he looks at Tom and goes, oh, this will be fun. You know, it's like a guy holding dynamite and a lighter in one hand. You know what I mean? It's yes. going to be great. You know, he has coached a number thing and he has like he has like four teams. So he he has sort of he's insulated himself in his own way to keep himself set. But he knows that this happens all the time and some people go away. And now he goes out and recruits players to fill in for the people that are. Right. Like so he doesn't yeah. he doesn't learn from past behavior. So right. he's just he's American. Right. Yes. So yeah, if this is American. the low end of competitive, what the hell is the high end of competitive? Jeez. Yeah. If, yes. Are you kidding? Yeah. I don't I can't. Even, there's let not, me tell one story. There's not Can a lot I, of real coaching in like. It, there is coaching in use, but it's mostly dads and stuff like that that are coaching. And until right. you get into get in front of the ball, you know, yeah. But yeah, and that, but there, until you get to where you're paying good money for like real coaching, which doesn't really happen until 15 or so. Okay. You know, I want to say they're not getting real coach, but it's dads. It's, you know, I was it's an da- assistant coach. Yeah, I'm a comedian. I'll, right, right. I know from listening to Braves announcers that you got to repeat mechanics. So I repeat <laughs> mechanics, you know, like. <laughs> So <laughs> Tom, do you mind if I tell a story here? Okay, I'm, I got it. I got to. We're okay. trying. We're promoting your podcast here. We're talking about, and the reason we're going to cut this out and use it in my uh, my thing as a pilot episode. Right. There All right. You, you want to do? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Just saying. We were working together in Toronto. Okay. Okay. And we're in a we're in a. Sorry. It's an apartment, is what it is. The the comedy club has rented an apartment near the club. That's where the comedians stay. Okay. So it's the lower end of the comedy condo. Oh yeah. It's not an investment. It's just a periodic. It's an expense. Right. Okay, yeah. So it's Tom and I and another guy. It's all three of us in this apartment, right? And Tom, I mean, one thing I like about this podcast idea is Tom is completely and totally aware that he's crazy, too. Tom gets in it. I mean, he's not a quiet observer that's watching and telling his kid, you need to learn and not be like that. Tom's in there screaming and yelling, you know what I mean? So uh, we get up one morning, and Tom is watching his son's Little League game on the computer. They're streaming it. Right, which is it's game changer. It's like MLB game day where it lists like ball one, strike one, foul, single to right field to blah blah blah. But right. now Simmons is on first, whatever it is. Right. So and then I get excited. I'm like, good job, well, sure. boy. I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I really, it's great. Yeah. There's eighty percent of me that is like, I love how into it Tom is with his son. Oh, I'm heckling all the kids on the team. Like, ah, oh, this kid. And that's this the twenty strikes out every time. You know. Like and that's a, the twenty percent. Yes. <laughs> 80% the, is like, Tom's a good dad. 20% of it is like, Tom, don't cuss around the kids. <laughs> you know, that's... That, can, Tom, can we can we lower the racial slurs? Come on. The other, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, I'm okay, on an average season, how many times do you take your hat off and throw it in the dirt in disgust? Uh, when I was coaching, I was not very good at coaching. I, I didn't have a lot. I mean... I didn't, didn't have the patience. I was all the, about yeah. repeat, re, just repeating mechanics and repeating and doing... Um, uh, reps let's just do reps 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 and it's and 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 i would argue with the kids about doing the proper techniques and and 
just running hard, like those kind of things. I, I was okay at it, but I'm a dad. I'm not, I'm not really you're emotional. That good. Yes. And you're an emotional person anyway. Right. And I don't see the point in ever throwing the ball wrong. All you're doing is doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't. Well, like tuck your glove when you throw. Not <laughs> to be honest, not when with it's you. game time, but every time. Yeah. So it's so that kind of stuff would bug me, especially when it's my son, and I'd be like, tuck your glove, and not doesn't tuck his glove, and I'm, I just tuck your glove. I am. I wouldn't be saying it if you were. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I agree with you too, Tom. I don't ever see the point in making mistakes. You know what I mean? I don't see the point. In, I, but, and yet we're all here. So. And we're all here, right. <laughs> yeah, so it's idiotic. And my <laughs> wife the whole time is always like, he's nine. He's blah, blah, blah. He's just a little boy. You know? Right. And then she'll yell at him, you know, too, when he's not giving effort. But whatever. Tell me this won't make a great podcast. I mean, if the man that's actually recording it is intellectually aware that he, too, is part of the problem. Part of the problem. Oh, I am. Yeah, and he's aware of it. But yet he hasn't much enough distance to back himself up for a few hours. Right. Before he gets back in it, yeah, yeah. and and then, and also be honest and go. Well, I gotta admit, this one was on me. Yeah, I mean, I, I shouldn't have thrown all the equipment out of the dugout. You know what I mean? <laughs> I never got thrown out of a little league game, and I have watched let's some put umpires that on the get resume. Out. Yeah, put that that's on right. The resume. I've never, but let's get let's get to this. Let's get. To, he's an expert. Yeah, right. Let's. Oh, I gotta tell you, my friends, uh, I'm fascinated. I don't know enough about this. I, you know, I've read some books. Uh, you know, The Age of Enlightenment, Tom. Yeah, Age of Enlightenment. You did you say that a lot of like those kind of things on this podcast, like the Victorian Age or the Age of Enlightenment, and well, we got to name stuff. You yeah, know, yeah, humans yeah. I know, crap. I know that the stuff is named that, like the Victorian Age, and I, right. I just don't. When you say those things, there's not an image that clicks into my head of, oh yeah, that was 1876 to 1904. Oh, like, I don't do that either. I don't do that either. You just I'm say so them, and I don't know what it means. I'm so bad with dates and numbers. I mean, 1750, uh, Age of Enlightenment. 17... L- second half of the uh, 18th century. Let's go with that. Second half of the 18th century. What made it in the like like the Age of Enlightenment? Do we have just a like a new energy source that okay. spurred? No, 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 no. L- let me uh, let me describe it in, in the most broad way possible which is not funny no i'm sorry oh it's not funny at all um it's it's better than funny it really is it's better than funny it's uh hopeful and encouraging and when i read about the age of enlightenment it's just i i think we can do it i mean we uh, you know we can you know we won't but we can right you know what i mean so it's better than funny um it's hope Science, basically the scientific method, you know, we're going to analyze and we're going to test. And, you know, the, the Pope says this, and this is the, the Catholic Church says that the sun and the moon uh, were created in one day. But, and then Age of Enlightenment was when human beings start saying, we have no evidence for that whatsoever. Let's right. try to figure out where, where the sun came from. Let's actually try to figure it out instead of just believing what someone told us that has no facts at all. Right. You know, the size of the Earth, the size of the moon. What is that? How old is the planet Earth? So who are the major, like if you had to list like the top oh, well, Newton, 10 scientists of the you know, Enlightenment. Newton, the guy we're going to talk about here, Diderot. You know, yeah, I mean, well, Newton's uh, a little century earlier. Yeah, uh, New, but Newton is the beginning. Yeah. Am I... Uh, probably well, if I'm wrong, say it. I mean, I might be. He's like the last time we hit the snooze button, and then it was no, like, the okay, first. Newton, and okay, now he's we're up. first. Now we're up. I mean, Newton was early. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hesitating because normally I think of it as being about a century later, but I'm 
also going to say. See, that's amazing to me that he's like, no, he was he was he was eighty seven years before the age of enlightenment. Yeah, like, uh, it's like, amazing to me too. I don't, crazy, my brain crazy. doesn't remember. I don't remember yeah, they, they numbers use, that way. You know, I just looked it up. So okay. generally speaking, the age of enlightenment is seventeen fifteen to seventeen eighty nine. Seventeen eighty nine is when the French Revolution comes, and they go, well, that's when we fucked it up, yeah, and <laughs> they start whacking everybody. Right, right, right. Oh, so it was only like forty years. 39 years? Uh, what? Uh, I think 80, most 90 people. minus 15. Uh, so, you know, 75 years? 75 years. I And I, from, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, and I might be totally wrong. I was uh, way off. You know, 39. I've seen some, like, I've downloaded, I'll tell you what's neat is, this is, I've done this, and you, you can go on YouTube and download lectures, college lectures, you know, you, and you can drive around your car. Tom is falling asleep. Tom, wake up. Your Sorry. coffee. Get a drink of coffee. Sorry. I'm going to drop ad that one. I'm going to drop ad that video. Whatever that is. <laughs> Tom, your kid's up. Your kid's up. All right. Hey, and, wake and, up. And I should say, like, that's the French say that. Uh, other people put it back a century. See, I mean, that's, that's what I was going to say. Not, there's not a date. It's not like people go, it's the old Woody Allen joke. It's like, oh, we got to redo the whole place in bronze next week because, you know. It's the bronze yeah, age. Look, bronze yeah, age. Right. Oh, crap. It's coming up. It's right. Tuesday. Right. Right. But Woody Allen. These things are fuzzy. And especially, like, there's. You know, there's philosophical movements and there are literary movements. Like, the Victorian era is pretty easy to define because there was a queen named Victoria. And it's like, well, here's when she started reigning and here's when she died. So, so that's, but there, if it's named an age, there has to be some sort of universal, like, scholarly, like, these are the years and these are the major, I mean, these there, are the major names that represent it. So right, I'm right, right. Oh, yeah, those yeah. names then are Newton, uh, Locke, Hume, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Newton, Locke, Hume, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Uh, I mean, the founding fathers. I mean, the oh, yeah. the forming of this country was very much an enlightenment. Oh, okay, you know, this I is would, when we start getting the idea of Thomas oh, Paine. Yeah, you know, we people can have rights. We don't have to all live under monarchies because we can actually sit and rationally discuss this and come up. You know, I mean, the whole idea of you know a democratic republic like the United States is well. You know, if we all sit down together, we should be able to come up with the best way to do something because we're all you know men. And I say that. Explicitly. With an asterisk, right. yeah. Yeah, you know, men of good faith who, Should have been who are all there. trying to be rational. I mean, the whole notion is, you know, let's not be emotional. Let's look at this dispassionately, and we can lay out a city, and we can build a, you know, a form of democracy. They went, they bitterly fought about it for, like... Well, I mean, there's the theory and practice, right? In yes. theory, we're all being rational, and in practice, you know, we're going to have to make this compromise to get these guys on board right. and allow slavery, you know, so... Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the ultimate point in my mind is this. The Age of Enlightenment, this is what it says to me, is before that, I mean, you get a, a bunch of, like Peter said, men in the room, and it's a shame there wasn't women, but you get... John Adams' wife definitely, at least intellectually, had a little bit of weight in there. Yeah, yeah a lot of weight. Abigail? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Abigail was, you know, he was her she main... influenced him, and then yet he went, but she wasn't allowed in the room, which is crap. But anyway, okay, the point of the Age of Enlightenment to me is like, before this, nobody sat around and talked about how, what's the best way to govern a bunch of people? Right. It was the church said, we will control you, or a king said, we will control you, or Pharaoh so, you know, there was one person, there was one institution that controlled everybody. Right. And then, you know, uh, Franklin and Payne and all these people said, well, why is this better? Why? Tell me why a king or a queen is good. And you can't because it's not. So then they said, well, what is good? So in other words, the age of enlightenment to me is they actually challenged uh, norms. Yes. Intellectually. They said... You know, uh, what Thomas Paine said, having a king 
a hereditary king. In other words, I'm the king, and then I I die, so my son takes over. Is as stupid as having a hereditary dentist or a hereditary. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So, so these people are somehow as a in in that time frame, people sort of started to wake up and have sort uh, whatever they call it. I, like love, a I love the phrase wake up. Like Very a paradigm good. shift or like, oh, the matrix. As they see through the matrix of that time a and start bit. to see things differently. Right. And then in, in my way of looking at it, yes. And then and then en- they get enough people sort of on board that that creates a tipping point of people are like, yep, great idea. We're doing well, that. Another, another thing of it. Peter, you want to say something? I was mean, just going to say, you know, they also had a revolution in England where they beheaded the king and you know, you had Oliver Cromwell came in. Right, but he they have a, to get motivated to they, kill yes, other people. I would right? say that the I yeah. would say that the Age of Enlightenment kind of led, kind of fueled. They were some wood on that, you know. Look, oh, yeah, no, I mean that's, you know that's, I mean? yeah, exactly. What you end up doing is you kill, you know, you kill the king, and then the new guys come in. You're like, well, this isn't often great. Well, so yeah, what I mean, that's that, what we learned. But yeah. what me, spurred that transformation of human thought? Was there oh, another level that. of education that happened 50 years before that, or well, was one there of the, one of the fascinating things about it? Is this? It was large. This wasn't, you know the beat poets in one City Lights bookstore in San Francisco. It wasn't, uh, you, you know, it wasn't Hemingway and, and his Edna St. Malay in, in France. It wasn't a pocket of people that were thinking differently from everybody else. It was France and England and, and the early Americas, yeah. you know, and Africa was had some people that were in on this, and Australia and New Zealand. This something seemed to be spurred an that, a printing press or, like, somehow people... That that's what I mean. There's a there had there must there's, have been an invention. There's, there's or more a, of an. Inc- I mean, you know, Newton's not a bad place to start. I mean, there's an inquiry okay. into science where they say, oh, yeah, well, this is we can describe the way the world works. Well, if we can do that, okay, then maybe it's not all just God. Right. Okay. So like something like when you start with Newton, think, with Newton, it sort of yeah. is a little seed that then cranks out to ten people and it then starts spreading. To, yes. And I don't okay. think us in this room and people listening, I don't think we can truly. Uh, realize how radical what Peter just said. It seems like, well, that's common sense. And that was radical. Yeah. 1700. Well, we can describe how the world works. We don't need the church to tell us. This is, you know, this is heresy. Right. That's heresy is what So that how is. do we do that? And how does it happen again? That like to... In Alabama? To, no, or just, no, to look at, yeah. But to look around where humanity starts looking around the world and they're like, okay, and here's it. We got to look at it in another in a more evolved way now like i don't know i mean yeah it's but it's bound to happen again uh, yeah it's just one of these things where it's like uh, how does culture change you know yeah it's it's difficult often to i mean god knows there have been books and books and books written on this but it's like you know he probably doesn't really he probably i'm kidding (laughs) well an idea or meme sort of takes hold and then it spreads through the through the mass consciousness really yeah you know i mean someone in someone has an idea why I'm, I'm making crap up here, but someone has an idea. Why is there a cord to the phone? I mean, we can we can surely, you know, Tesla and all this stuff comes in. We can send things through the air. So why do we need? Why is a phone connected to the wall? You know, and then and then that ball slowly and then it starts rolling faster and faster and faster. And then not only do we remove the cord from the phone, we remove the cord from every damn thing. And now your coffee maker doesn't have to be plugged in and it's just the ball keeps rolling so at some point there's at some point there was people that said like tom said there had to be some thought before the enlightenment that kind of led started the ball rolling right so there were people that were like sitting there in a in a church pew thinking well how do you know that and they were getting information from the church thinking 
well, you don't know this, you know? Right, and some and, of them... And it, that started the ball rolling. Right, and some of them spread. wasn't... wasn't it, they weren't explicitly anti-theist. Oh, right? no, 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 no. I mean, you know, right. so again, it, this wasn't like, you know... Cause, oh, it, this the Age of Enlightenment was not a down with the church, but that was part of it, but it wasn't... It was more of a, let's figure things out. Well, and a lot of the people that were doing these scientific inquiries and thought it said, well, we're just learning more about how God created the universe. And right. the, the, the church went, or how about you shut up? Right. You the know church I mean? was not happy the whole time. Was this right. pre, was this, po- this was obviously post, when was Martin Luther? 1400s? Martin Luther was... I don't remember. So it's not, it's not part of that. N- I no, mean, the, no, the, no. the Reformation is kind of part of that, but it's also, it's pre that. I mean, okay. I think the, the Reformation... But some of them might have used it as an example. Sure. You know I mean, I mean, you know, certainly the Reformation is is an example of standing against the church, but it's not like Martin Luther said, you know, and I believe that science is the answer. I mean, he was just like, I think these indulgences that you guys are selling are corrupt and right, awful, right, right? Right. Yeah. And then you know, but he I will, was questioning. Yeah, and I think that questioning, you know, I mean, it, I'm painting with a really broad brush here, and well, the, that's, any I historian love, is going to be that. slapping I love big at me. strokes. I love big strokes. But, you know, I mean, you've yeah. got Martin Luther, and that leads to the Reformation. Now you've got Protestants and Catholics. And so, say, in England, you know, now you've got, you know, Mary, Queen of Scots, being beheaded because Elizabeth is going to be the Protestant queen. Um, and now you've got that sort of back and forth, and they re-bring in a Catholic uh, monarch, and the Protestants go, eh, we're out of here, and we're going to chop off your head. Now we're in charge and then the Protestants turn out to be their own form of religious fanatic, and now we restore the king. That's the Restoration, you know, in England. And so, I mean, these things, there's questioning, but they're not all anti-church. It's then, no, it's going to be my church, not your church. Right. But then that also, you know, but once you start... I'm once glad you, we've gotten past that. One, yeah. Once, once you sort of yeah. crack I'm that shell... That no, that's no longer part of it. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm so glad. You know, once you crack that <laughs> shell, then that's going to lead to, well, you know... Well, we had a revolution, but these guys were were assholes. But what if we did one and we were actually not trying to form another church? We we're trying to form something that stood outside the church. And you know, that would be the American Democratic Republic, where they said, you know, let's, you know, the separation of church and state was specifically because they were looking over at England oh, yeah. about a hundred years earlier and went, yeah, you see, once you have a when you have a state religion, then you start beheading kings and and queens and things and. How about if we just step outside that altogether? You wouldn't get that American Democratic Republic without right. the notion. Yeah. Well, what's cool is somehow then we we you know we then we separated it and we're like, all right, churches, you know, whatever, they don't have to pay taxes, and then now they've turned into the biggest organized lobbying firm that gets tax free. Sure, but I mean, they you know, abilities out. to write laws and yeah, they figured the out how us. to. At yeah. one point, they, we they did that idea that we we're, we're going to separate the church and the state. That was a radical idea. That's it was, correct. It was, it was. I don't think people really realize. I don't think I'd really realize how radical of an idea that was. You know, right? And, and now the church has figured out, like you know, most pests do, how to get back in. You know, but at the time, which is what we're focusing on. Uh, the founding of this country would not, in my opinion, from whatever, it would not have happened without the Age of Enlightenment. You, yeah. When you look at the, what they set up, those are all Enlightenment. Well, minus like, you know, you can't put a, you can't, uh, you can't be forced to house a soldier. You know, that was because of the war or whatever. But the freedom of thought, freedom sure. of religion, without, freedom of 
Yeah. Without Rousseau and Locke, you don't end up with... Without, with yeah. yeah. I mean, this is all le- okay. leading up. I'm not saying it was... I'm not saying that that was the ultimate goal was to create a... But that our country would not have been set up the way it is without the Enlightenment. No way. Right. Thomas Paine especially. What if everyone, all the listeners know, knew exactly what the Age of Enlightenment was and my question about, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. Sent us on this 10-minute thing that people are like, we already knew this. yeah yeah they might they they, and all the listeners might already know it but that's interesting to me i appreciate being informed it's uh i just find the entire everything i read about the age of enlightenment it hooks me i mean i get bored reading sometimes i'm like i don't want to read that you know i've already read barbara streisand's biography what am i doing (laughs) right that was clearly a joke I've reread it, but um, <laughs> the Age of Enlightenment is to me. It's I, I repeatedly over and over. You see, yes, Locke and Dunn and all these philosophers and all these scientists, right, are questioning things, and they they literally are, are trying to figure out how the human mind works and how and then how all they're building bridges. They're, how do you do, how do you lay out a town? I mean, they're it's all the questions. It's not just the religious biggies and all that, but little little things they're trying to figure out. How do you garden better? How how do you how do you melt metals better? It's just an incredible. It's almost like a cognitive leap of the of the mind of questioning everything around us. Can we do it better? It's more scientific yes. and this and that. But the even more interesting to me is it wasn't these. It wasn't a list, like Tom said. There's Yes, when you look at Age of Enlightenment, you could list 50 people from all over the globe that you kind of know they're like Locke. A lot of people are like, I've heard that name. Was it in college I had to read? Right. But there were every day. I learned day, about him in, um, uh, in um, locksmith school. Coffee shops. Folks. Should I pause? I don't need to pause. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love it. Doesn't it make you happy, Peter? Yes. He's, well, what makes me happy is that he's so happy of coming up. Bingo! No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, he's he's twenty five percent embarrassed, but he knows I'm not going to edit it, so he knows he's got to leave it in. <laughs> but it, the moment that joke popped in his head, that that's Tom. Yeah, you know his back molars glowed a little bit, <laughs> and then I couldn't think of the word locksmith, and I ruined the whole timing. But you thought of it in time, and you you have great timing. And uh, the coffee shops, another part of the enlightenment. Sure, coffee shops. Fascinating stuff. They start springing up coffee shops. The idea that you go into a shop, you pay a farthing or whatever it was, penny, whatever it is. A a small amount of money, yeah. You you pay a small amount of money. You get one cup of coffee. Newspapers. There There were, literature was around. You know how expensive that crap was? We have a, we have an expert book. Uh, guy with us, Peter John Burns collects books, and you have a, you you studied that in college. We're going to get into this. Books were expensive, right? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Very expensive. We're talking seventeen fifty. You had right. to have money, and then all of a sudden, a coffee shop opens up. And you could go in and pay very little money. You get a cup of coffee, and you could read. You could absorb. You could teach yourself. It is, in my mind, it's the equivalent of being able to Google. You know, you can equate those things in my mind. This is the first time where it wasn't just the rich that had the library. And at the time, if I'm right, uh, libraries were not public. No, no, but that was a 19th century phenomenon. Right. The libraries became public later. You had to be part of a club. You had to be a rich person to be able to go to a library. So you're a, you know, you're just a worker. You have no access to information. 
Right. And now, because of the Enlightenment and because people are curious and all these question, questioning is going on. And, and printing had become cheap enough that you could make a newspaper. You could make a newspaper. Right. And now, now, these now un- we've come to the devolve to the point where libraries are just like storage rooms for homeless people. For the right. Day. People were going in, workers were going in, buying a cup of coffee and discussing science. They would read, they would talk, they would argue. And they became very, very, very popular. You so know? then once human minds sort of put itself, all those human minds started putting themselves to work thinking differently, mm-hmm. we created all the stuff that you're talking about that's so great. It seems to me, uh, you know, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to be proved wrong on this, but it seems to me it was an explosion of curiosity, that period of time. Yeah, and also the notion that uh, you could, catal- like, you know, th- there was this sort of, uh, I guess we would call it a totalizing notion if I were back in grad school, where you could catalog everything. You know, you, you oh, know, like yes. the, the whole world just needed someone to spend the time to write down every last thing, and then you would know everything. You know, and that's, I mean, that was sort of a naive faith that they had that, mm-hmm. like, you know, if we, if you just worked hard enough, you could get. All of human knowledge, you know, organized, cataloged, and ready to go. Just uh, this idea that you could, if you cared and had money and time, you could indeed write down all of human intelligence. You could take what we've learned thus far and collect it, you know. And It was the age of the dictionary. I mean, that you know, Samuel Johnson's dictionary was an example of if we got, if I made a book, that had all the words in it, then we would know all the words. Yeah. Now, I mean, that that presupposes a notion that language doesn't evolve and, you know, slang doesn't... But, yeah. but it was this beautiful notion that, like, like, that you might be able to say, done, right? I got all the words in this book. <laughs> now we don't have to do... We don't have to make another one. I got it. I got it. Yeah. But I would also like to throw in there the idea, and this is revolutionary to me, the idea that if we did collect all the words and put them in a book... Then, when someone didn't know a word, they could learn a word. Right. That's amazing. Right. You know. Am I overstating this? Do you no, think? No, 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 no. I mean, I was... really do think that at the time, if you can kind of mentally try to picture, you're a bricklayer. You know what I mean? And that's what you do, and you're just a bricklayer, and that's what you know, and you're good at your job, right? But you can't read Newton. I mean, I tried to read Newton, and I can't read Newton. Right. And, you know, well, I can't lay bricks either, to be honest. But, you know, but anyway, then you go into a coffee shop, and you're, you're having a conversation with someone who's dropping some words that you don't know. You can look them up. You can, you can yeah. learn, you know. Right, and it was I revolutionary. Mean, these, these things were, you know, definitely designed to be education. You know, you wrote a dictionary so that everyone could learn the right words. There you go. And you could, all, and you also wrote a dictionary to say, you know, I we got it. We, you know, we another done. big. So you could go irregular is not like irregardless is not a word. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And you could, you know, you could win an argument. Right. You, you know, that's why I think I wrote the book. Right. Because he was wanting to insist that somebody said a couple words, and he was like, "Those aren't." Those aren't words. Right. You're saying but that I wrong. think here's another very important, in my opinion, this is a mass, uh, the Age of Enlightenment brought us this too. They didn't write the dictionary and sell it to the rich people only. Information began to... It began to trickle down. I it mean, began it, to trickle it, down. It, it began to flow down. I mean, you owned... It was a, available now. Right. 
You so it, it actually it's 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 a trickle down theory that actually works. There's Is one that- proven. Well, there's two proven. If you're a fish under a shark, you're doing pretty well. Okay. Right. Right. But yeah, I think from what I've read, there was kind of an explosion of now you could be a worker. And you had a little more, you had some, I mean, some access. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but yeah, you had some access. There were libraries in coffee shops. They might not have been enormous, but there were some of the hits. Right. And there were definitely newspapers everywhere. And you had to have enough money to, you know, buy the coffee and to some extent sit your ass around. And like, if you're a brick, you know, I got you. I got you. you If you're a bricklayer and you're working 14 hours a day, you're not hanging out in the coffee shop. Probably not. But, uh, you know, like I read a, huge thing about just the coffee shops in the enlightenment and you know newton wasn't at the coffee shop no i mean these were people from the town yes we don't know their names right it was the it was what you did instead of the pub it was right. the daytime somebody went you know what people get their drinking all night in the bar we need something like that but for the daytime well <laughs> and it's also to some extent uh you know the coffee shops come first if i remember correctly but this is also you know just to make sure that it's not all people sitting around great thoughts, this is also the time of gin, which was the opioid crisis in England uh, of the 18th century. Like, when you say gin to me, like, I haven't drank in a long time, but that that's a, I, I remember specifically that was a, that was the warning shot as a 19, 20-year-old, like, drinking gin. It was a different kind of drunk. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it yeah. It was like, that's the first one that I really the nickname blacked for... out in all yeah. the time. And it'd be yeah, like, or, oh. and it'd just be like, you were you you were a different dude, you know? Like, oh. Yeah, no, I mean, they gin basically, is... gin swept through England. Its nickname was Strip Me Naked. <laughs> that totally makes sense. Right? Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was bad. I mean, before you had... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like people were drunk, weren't drunk before, right? You know, in England, uh, if you're working in a print shop, you're drinking beer, small beer, uh, meaning less light, you know, low alcohol beer, but you're drinking it all day. Right. You got a buzz on pretty much the entire time you're working in the print shop, but you're not blind, stinking drunk like you are with gin, which was cheap as hell and potent as hell, and people didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, I so definitely did. So there were... There was a huge wave of public drunkenness in England, and it was a real problem. Like it wasn't just a you know you know Otis the town drunk. This was right. this was the opioid crisis. This was poor neighborhoods where people were just fucking annihilated. I can see it? I yeah. had a little I had a little microcosm of that happen to me for like a year before I you know it led to me not drinking anymore. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean just from right. just dumb to like yeah. I you know thing. I'm not I've never been a big drinker right ever, but. Uh, gin was off the list. I, uh, ugh. no, I, I didn't like it. So, first, in yeah, part, you've got coffee shops, so it's right. not gin. Okay. Yeah. So what is this So thing? let's get around to this, this beautiful, uh, idea. Okay. Encyclopedias are boring, right? The guy comes around door at our age, right? Kids the, don't know this. The world book encyclopedia. The, the world would, book encyclopedia. Right. And your parents sign up and say, yeah, I want my kid you know, it was a very much like, you know, the World Book Encyclopedia was like, you want your kid to be smart. Well, you need to have one of these on your shelves at home. Right. And yeah. they're perfect. They're barely cracked open. You right. know, the spine is still it's obviously, you know, and they brought you a different letter. You know what we're talking about? I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, you know, one Willie of, Nelson sold them door to door. Right. Right. 
This is the start of it. What we're going to talk about, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's hilarious that when you say somebody thought they could collect all the knowledge into one place like that, they didn't see how the, how no, how hilariously well, like that wasn't really possible. Like you just even just walk into a bookstore and you're like, this is all the this isn't even all the knowledge of the history of of mankind right here. Right and here, I would right. take it would take me fifteen lifetimes to read. A yeah, third of this. Well, I guess right. the thing is, like, you get to that point after you've tried to collect. compile it. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, that didn't work. <laughs> no, right. I mean, but that, that's the thing. Like, you have yeah. to get to that. You have to have that beautiful, naive notion of, like, I think I could nail all of it. Right. And then you're like, uh, okay, you know, and then that's when you start to get into later th- notions, which is like, well, there's still some, st-, you know, Newton thought he nailed it. Like, I got all the laws of physics. And Einstein came around and went, at low speeds, yes. Right. Well, Bill right. Bryson tried and it too. The nearly everything. He, you know what I mean. Yeah. He, he didn't cover everything in that. Right, right, right. And thank goodness for people like that. Yes. That, you know, that said, I think if I work hard enough, I can collect all the knowledge. And you know, people were like, "What are you nuts?" But thank goodness they didn't stop and they just pushed and they failed. You know. Right, but yeah, but, but you also tried. ended up with a dictionary and an encyclopedia. You, at the we end have of it. a dictionary yeah. and encyclopedia now because right. of this and Google. And well. Yeah. All right. What do you mean? It's um, the continuation of it, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. But, you know, I, um, Google might have succeeded. <laughs> um, yeah, they also yeah. include all the, the wrong information. All, yeah, the wrong but, information. But, you know, I mean, this, this line of thought still continues, especially in the rare book world, meaning that um, this is why, like, people that do bibliographies, where they try and describe the publication history of a bunch of books. Right. right? Uh, and understand that, like, this is this is one of those impossible things that's like, well, this word never exists in, you know, this Greek word wasn't in any of the Greek texts that we've ever uncovered, right? Well, that's a one sentence that you have to spend 50 years to be able to write, because it means you've read every single one. So similarly... I mean, there's no way I would do that. Uh, yeah. No um, way. So similarly, like when they there, there are people that have said, "I'm going to describe all of the books um, of the Gothic period," right? And there's this. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. Almost all these guys that are are doing these compilations, right? They're all desperately afraid that they're going to find one. You've missed a book. You've missed a copy of this book that's going to unseat your thesis, right? This is the way this book was structured. Now, to say that, you have to go look at all of the copies. Why can't you just say all the Gothic books I could compile? Because then that's not sufficient. That, I mean, right. th- th- these guys are all like, I can, I, it's the same encyclopedia. I can get all of it. It's, it is, uh, as I, I think I said at the very, very beginning of this episode, it, obsessive curiosity. Obsessive. Yeah. And, you know? and what ends up happening at the end, and this is like a cliche, but it's also true— they tend to go insane. They go insane. I mean, the obsessive, crazy, I can do it, I can do it. And it's it's, it's nearly impossible to collect all the known knowledge into one set of books. And, and even this, if it's just something like this is all the Gothic books, right? Or, I mean, that just that alone is, you know what I mean? And this guy. So, yeah, there's uh, a, by the way, there's a guy named Foxen who did 18th century literature. So an Enlightenment guy who tried to write about the Enlightenment, essentially, you know, Enlightenment and thought. He mm-hmm. did this in the 70s. He turned in the final 
pages to the publisher and quit his job and went to go live on a beach because he basically snapped. He snapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like he got it together. What are you talking about? Like, they did it. He finally I'm did gonna it. I'm going to go retire on the beach. So the idea was initially set up of we're going to collect all. I mean, this is an explosion of science. This is an explosion of industry. This yep. is an explosion of poetry. This is an explosion of, of, of the human mind, right? 1700. So seven, you have it right there in that. In no, that no, thing? no, no. I don't. No. Yeah, this just, is it's just all in that folder. Yeah, it's all. You in open this it up folder. and it's just an iPhone. I'm very excited. This is, this is how much he failed. Oh, he got five pages, <laughs> and then he cracked. No. Um, so then this idea comes up. Can we get it all into one? And there was a guy, right, that attempted it early and then kind of gave up on the project. He he didn't even – it's like they fired the gun and he started running and went, you know, this is stupid. And stop. Right. I thought we were in line. 26 we miles. We can't collect all the knowledge. Yeah. I thought, you know? Yeah. He, there was a guy that started it very early and he didn't get very far. And then uh, Diderot uh, steps in and says, you know, I think I can do this. You know, and then – He's, okay. He gets on the track that is eventually headed to crazy, but along the way, he co- he advanced humanity. I mean, he collected this information, and the encyclopedia that he put together. Uh, you're going to have to be googling, Peter, but or I can Google while you one or the other. But we need to get some details because I certainly don't know all the details. It took him a very long time. Very, 20, it was twenty years. Twenty years. Well, and I should say he started publishing it. And the publication took 20 years, obviously. He was working before that. Yes. So more than 20 years to yeah. gather it all. He employed scientists, uh, poets, farmers, anybody that he want. Literally, this is all the information we have. You know, you want to know how to shoe a horse? He show you how to shoe a horse. You want to know the way that the planets go around us? He show you the, all of it, right? Who was and, the guy that thought of all the like things we needed to know? You know what I mean? Well, like, they divided it up into sections. Peter, you're going to have to step in here. They, if I if I remember, they divided it up into you know they had science and just like any the subcategories, all the way down. Almost and, like it's, so it's broken out like Google and YouTube now. Like, yeah, where, where you're just like I need to know how to get the change in this cigarette machine out of here. You, oh, and then the and first heading you know, is machines, vending right. machines, and then there's another tab that says cigarette. Vending machines. Another tab that says right. 1950 to 1970. It's the, they divided up into sections that would be in volumes. And the 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 thing I have in front of me is he not only wrote all this stuff, right? He well, I say he. A lot of it was collected. You know, he would employ the the local jeweler right. would be employed to write. How do you do this and X and this? And oh, he's yeah, collecting yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like you're you know, and it's and so he. The engravings in this thing no. are gorgeous, right? Right. The ones I have are not because the the really elaborate ones are pricey. But there's deep there's pictures to show you what they're talking about. Just like an encyclopedia today, you look up lion. There's a picture of a lion, right? But back then they didn't have photography, so someone had to draw it. You know, so that's what we're looking at here. Is How good were the artists? Good. They were, and good. and also it should be said that you know these these tend to be divvied up between. I mean, I, there's a distinction I want to make between artists and craftsmen. The the yes. men that are doing engravings are largely highly skilled craftsmen. Right. Like there's the person who designs the shoe, and the person who makes the shoe. Those are different skill sets, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
you know, you do have, you know, people that do both and whatever, but oftentimes you might have a drawing and you hand it to the engraver because the engraver knows how to make it pretty and how to make it an engraving. You know, those are different skill sets. Huh. Well, now let me let me pause the, the, the right here and say this: that Tom and I are observers here because Peter, uh, Peter is is a collector of rare books. You were in Virginia in college, and tell us a little bit mm. about. I mean, I, when I was in graduate school, I got involved uh, in descriptive bibliography, which is a way of describing how books are structured and. With the idea of eventually you come up with a better scholarly edition, right? You figure out that you how how books are literally put together. How literally, put, yeah, literally the spine put the, and the and the. Well, because what would happen is, especially in uh, earlier eras, right? There's a there's a famous Pope poem where he talks about inglorious war, and in some copies, in space glorious, and in other copies, one word inglorious. Now. Okay, that's Just slight differences like that. Yeah, well, it's also the opposite meaning, right? Right. Yes, yeah. but inglorious war or inglorious war, those are two very different things. Meaning, but right. on the page, you know, it's a space. It's a right. space. And then the question is, well, I've seen it this way and I've seen it this way. Well, which way comes first? Right? Cuz honestly, it's the second one, it's the later one that you say, "Oh, okay, cuz Pope went in and went, "Look, you dummies, no." You know. <laughs> You know, take okay. out that space or put in that take space. That, right? That's that an like, error. Like Trump did with the Russia thing? Yeah. Um, and so... I like that. Then you analyze the structure of the book and you analyze the paper of the book because mm-hmm. you say, okay, well, what they did was they went and reprint... You know, one of these is later. And by studying the paper and studying the structure of the book, you can say, oh, they just replaced this little chunk of the book because the paper doesn't match, you know, in uh-huh. some instances, right? Okay. Or this is a later version I can tell because of this and this, Right. Uh, originally, a lot of this sort of work was done on the first folio of Shakespeare, because the first folio of Shakespeare, they've now been able, they think, to identify different compositors, right? There's a guy, you know, who did these pages versus these pages, and this guy was good, and this guy was crap, so... You're talking about, you're talking about printing press, printing yeah, press. Pr- yeah. The, you're talking about the people that, that, that arranged the letters... Yeah. And they, they think they've been able to distinguish between Peter did this part and Tom did this part. Yeah, I want to say that it's like A through G at this point or something like that in the first folio. So why what, is that important to know? Uh, because you want to, the theory is, you, would, you know, and it's a very Enlightenment idea in a sense, you want to figure out what Shakespeare actually wrote. Okay. Now, there are later schools of thought that said, who gives a shit? What did people read? Right? But initially, this was all like, we need to figure out what, you know, we want to find the pure platonic text of Pope. We want to find the pure platonic text of Shakespeare. And so they worked out all of these notions. It's very much, by the way, a post-World War II God, that's uh, a lot. line of thought. Isn't it? it but it's fascinating to me. You know yeah, these I mean? guys go, de- they go down rabbit holes for literally decades to figure this sort of stuff right. out. I mean, from, from a junk guy, me, right? Tom, Tom is not a junk guy. Tom just has an incredible curiosity. But I'm a junk guy, right? What Peter's talking about now is is like you're down in some rabbit hole now where I'm like what I right. don't you know he's got he's got like a, glassy eyed right now a little bit I'm like I don't you know I like cool books right. Tom reads Tom reads Tom's a reader I'm a reader Peter's a reader so we're all equal there 
you, right, you right. follow. We're all equal. We're all readers, right? Right. And now Tom and I get off the boat when Peter starts talking about. I just learned what the 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 phrase first edition, what it really means. Peter taught me outside. You know, I had no clue. Yeah, what I write mean, in my books. I know it, that's terrible. You know what I mean? I, not like, to me. I think I, I, I have personally, to. I think you should write in all your books. You know, I mean, unless yeah. you unless you have a first folio of Shakespeare, then. You know what I mean? Maybe hold off. Hold, yeah. hold off on that, you know? But, I mean, I write in my books. I write, this is dumb as shit, right in the margin, you know? And when I see something I like, I circle it. Yeah, I mean, I I get, ex- I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm reading, I'm like, I have a pen in my hand. I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, and some of those, I mean, depending on who the guy is who's writing it, those can be extremely valuable, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. When I was in grad school, uh, in one of the local used bookstores, one of my roommates found... Uh, a copy of Wordsworth's Prelude that had been owned by one of the big professors at UVA. Oh, yeah. And he was, you know, fascinated because he had all of these all notes. The notes and highlights. Yeah, and he wrote all the notes. In right, there, right, and in his, like, in this professor's opinion, like, Wordsworth, Wordsworth was ripping off Alexander Pope, and he had all of these, you know... You know, we didn't well, quite buy awesome. it at the end of the day, but we're like, but it's a fascinating, you it's know, fascinating. insight into this man's mind. Yeah, you yeah, saw I, his thoughts. I mean, let's say, don't don't kick me on this, but let's say Tom becomes famous, right? And then someone, and then his son is like, you know, broken because of the way he was treated at Little League, right? So he sells off all your book collection. I'm just okay, kidding. I get, I get you, I get you. Uh, yeah. Let's say Tom becomes famous, right? right. He's a fam- famous comedian. And then your books all of a sudden with all your little scribbles in it and everything, then they are more valuable than if you wouldn't have written in them. Absolutely. You know? There's a famous story when uh, Lyndon Johnson was near the end of his life. He he wanted to sell off his library because, you know, he's like, I got all these books. I don't need them anymore. I'm, you know, an old person. I never read them, so yeah, might yeah. as well sell them. Um, and the guy came in and, you know, went through his library and said, well, these books are worth this and these books are worth that. And he said, well, why are these books in particular worth more than these? And he said, well, you signed your name in them. And that's clearly your book that's more expensive right so the guy came back like a week later <laughs> and Lyndon Johnson's got a stack he's signing every goddamn one <laughs> good for him yeah. good yes. for him that's awesome uh, are I those like are it. those books worth less because he signed them after he knew like now historically <laughs> well how can you figure that out it's like I, I, there's right. probably some guys like well you can tell by the pen that this is for well, that's what I mean yeah. you're, you're going back finding out copyright who you know who the well, I do know. Was, you know I do saying? know this, and, and I'm dipping my toe in here, but I do know this that a lot of presidents had secretaries sign, right? When you you you, you know, right? You wrote in, you want an autograph of Kennedy, you know, the secretary would just sign, you know, eighty of them and put them back in the mail. And I know there are people that can they know what Kennedy's secretary signature of him looked like, right? So they can say that's not Kennedy, that's Kennedy's secretary. Right, or there's you know. the Kennedy pioneered the auto pen, which was basically a pantograph, if you know what those are. You you know you you trace over here and right, and he had like a, a a plate that had his you know he had written his signature and they turned it into a plate and they could just stack these up and the thing would go. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And they, and they can tell that which are the auto pens in part because you writing your name has different initial stroke. You know, this is where you start the yeah. ink, and this is where Isn't it that ends. Nuts? Isn't that crazy? And well, the, I'd be the, so famous that I'll have to have one. I'll have to have a thing that like attaches to like you know, it's like that. Be right. right. Like how how right. how like how. Well, you sign. You, you go to you're like I need to sign a thousand of these at once, and there's like a thing that duplicates your signature for right. you. Like, That's what I need. Somebody get on that. Somebody get on that. Somebody. Somebody. Get, right. Something with a sharpie at the other end, so all of your CDs you can just. Yeah. yeah. 
So here's what we got. Peter John Burns has a background in in rare books, right? Yeah. Uh, he's also a collector of rare books. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, a very minor sense. Okay. Okay. So but I, I, I've met guys in New York City that bought a second apartment to put their books in. Sure. Uh, I'm not on that. Take level. that whole stack and go over there and take a look at them. Uh, now, these here that I've I found, I see these. They're engravings. Am I using the right word, Peter? Yes. I mean, uh, we're going to take a look at I haven't looked at it yet, but yes, it looks like an engraving from here. Uh, Peter yeah. has some equipment over there that he's going to analyze these for us. I don't know if this is from Diderot's encyclopedia or not. I have no clue. I think, but, you know, his name's not on it. It didn't say Diderot did this. You know, this page is is laid out as like a, it's looks mostly black and white. It's got um, um, drawings of different. There's like an oval with some lines in it and a triangle and some. You know, it looks like. I mean, and to be calculations and a thing, and then it says astronomy at the bottom. And these pages are they look like they're about the size of a paper, like a like a really cheap uh, placemat that you'd have. I'm glad like you a, said that. That makes me happy. Like in a country restaurant or something, That makes you know? me happy. Why? I don't know. It just does. It just makes me happy that a person from 2018, I'm not, and I'm being dead, dead serious here, okay? That is, in my mind, that's the size of a Waffle House menu. Right. Is what that is. <laughs> and it's so cool to me that we can try to describe the size of, a, of, of an engraving from the Age of Enlightenment. As, as the waffle. size of a Waffle House menu, right? You know what I mean, and it's absolutely right. That's the size of it, you know. And the and it's got like a little sunken area where it looks like it was imprinted on, and it's the, the, then they have the bottom of the page. It says astronomy spelled incorrectly. Mm. Yeah, with an with an I E instead of a Y. I E, yeah. That's the name of this section. Was the astron astronomic. The, all those are astronomy. Oh, these are cool. This yeah, they're like neat a, looking. This has got a bunch of different like symbols and stuff, which obviously mean something next to them. Maybe that's yeah. a like a what do you call it when you when you go like this? That's what this what this means, and you make uh, what do they call that like a, not uh, a table of contents, uh, like but the, a, uh, like the idea uh, of what the symbols symbol, yeah uh, what this symbolizes. Um, um, I can't I can't think of the word. I can't think of the word. But it's cool. It's killing me. I can't think of the word. At least one of these symbols is the is the artist formerly known as Prince. And okay. then there's there's looks like some Egyptian uh, hieroglyphs. Yeah, hieroglyphs. Yeah, that's the word. I, I I couldn't think of it. Yeah, it's sort of how, but it has a. It'll have the thing, like this looks like the like a, like the like the Roman numeral two, but spread out for her. This one looks like the Texas Longhorns thing, and then it says what it is next to it, like La Tor, like, like Torcon. And like, so I guess right. Anyway, it's these are cool drawings, though. Man. I think they're real neat. I was in a junk shop, and you know, a lot of times these things are framed, and they want eighty bucks for one of them framed. You know what I mean? Right. And a guy just had a folder with, you know. I don't know how many there are, seven or eight of these prints or engravings or whatever they are. Peter has a little instrument that we're going to describe in a minute, and he's down here staring at this thing like a doctor. Yeah, he's got like little mini, like a little pair of mini binocular type things with a light. I guess there's a loop on there too. Probably. He's going to describe it to Th us. This is what this is a thirty power light scope. So yes, it's uh, you know I mean it magnifies something thirty times, and uh, you put it made by Panasonic. They're not very expensive, and when you pull it apart. Uh, it lights up at the bottom, so you can put this thing right on the paper. Okay. And look at the engraving. Can it also work? Do they have something like that that 
Because my brother-in-law does a lot of like looking at stuff, and he uses he uses loops. Yeah. Is that like a good? Yeah. Is that better than a loop? This is well. It's it's this is more powerful than a loop. A loop is usually five or ten times. This is thirty. I want to talk to you about where I can get one. That'd be a great Christmas present for him. Yeah. And he won't listen to this podcast, so that it, he won't. It won't awesome. be spoiled. So, then, Tom, these I was... are like good drawing, like a circle, and then it looks like it's just different sort of um, geometry that's sort of d- yeah. d- drawn over and over. They're like, neat looking, aren't they? Yeah, like I these just weird like mathematicians them. did. You I know? think they're pretty. This one's really cool. Looks like a. I like that one too. Is that the moon? Or I don't know. What is? I it? wish Evans. Yeah, this one looks like the moon, and then this thing down here, I, I can't. Looks like the globe. Those old timey globes, you without know, without the globe on it. Right, it's like, like a, a iron uh, metal globe with that that has like a skeleton of a, a globe skeleton of a globe. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this I mean this, this is I what guess was, this would mean something to some people, like how the math works in these. You know, the, yeah, you and I are looking at it like this looks cool. Look, An astronomer cool. would say, well, it just you know, it's they could be able to tell us what it is. Well, I c- I don't have it. I don't. I just saw them in a folder. I thought they were neat looking. The whole yeah. stack was cheap, so I just bought the whole thing. There isn't a table of contents, so it's like this is figure 4.0, this is a figure 4.3, and there isn't sort of a table of contents that tell you what every figure is. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, no and part in, of what no happened... index or whatever. Part of what happens yeah. here is that um, and this goes with a lot of illustrated books, right? The, the sadness is, is that an intact book is... Worth a lot more, obviously, than an unintact book. But if you split it up and you take the pretty pictures out, <laughs> you can sell every pretty picture yeah. for a lot more collectively mm-hmm. than the actual book. Guys that sold uh, medieval manuscripts were really guilty of this. They would take a medieval manuscript and you know cut out you know cut out page by page and sell each page. To a different sucker, and they'd go and mount it on their wall, right? Destroying the integrity of the book. Sure, you know, yeah. Gu- Gutenberg Bibles. You know, if you've got an incomplete Gutenberg Bible, that's actually quite worthwhile on a scholarly level. But usually, a book dealer would go, "Yeah, well, it's not a full thing, so I'm just going to cut it open, you know, cut it apart, and now you can have a page of a Gutenberg Bible for, you know, whatever." That right. guy and each page, and I baby can... wrote wrote a wrote a Bible. <laughs> It was his Bible. Yes, the Steve Gutenberg Bible. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, that was his Bible. <laughs> whatever happened to that guy? So Retired this um, Bible money or something? What, whatever happened? I then? see these, Peter. I see these, you know, engravings. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's an engraving. Um, I mean, I and, it, oh, it is an engraving. Yeah, you can and you can tell uh, it's an intaglio engraving specifically. So uh, you've got relief printing, right? Uh, like a, a wood block, like a kid's wood block, right? You've got the raised surface. If you put ink on that, you know, you can go a rubber stamp. Ah, like we used to, did you ever do this, Tom, where you, as a kid, you'd have a potato and cut yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, and you, did you ever do that? Like you could write Tom, you take a potato and you cut it in half and you could, like not a baked potato, like a t- potato out of the ground. You just cut it and you could carve Tom. And then put that in ink, and you'd stamp Tom everywhere. Right. My dad had a stamp for with his signature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, one of those. Like That's what he's talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember. Stamp, stamp. Yeah, but there I couldn't find the ink pad for it, and I had to get a report card signed, or like a, I got in trouble letter home signed from school. Mm-hmm. I remember finding that thing and just 
like I had, I'd get like a pen and I would just color as much ink on it as I could and then pop it down to oh it like a you cheated is what you're saying to, yes i didn't want to get in trouble i got him sending yeah. home a letter telling me that he, i'm in trouble he hid the ink pad from you he must have that because without it it's no good i had to i used a pen and i just colored or a marker or something and and colored over the signature as best you know put as much ink on it myself right right and, and then, then stamped it stamped it down to the paper. well i tell you i mean you know oh, you might have been drunk on gin but you were smart you know what i mean that it takes a it takes a type of brain to go well i can get ink on here you yes know, maybe i was just a type it's of conniving want to get in trouble that's what that brain is it's well like, yeah it's fear-based conniving right yes. that's the second best kind of conniving <laughs> the mother curiosity is the mother of invention or not right. wanting to get your ass whipped by your daddy sure the mother of invention dad's got a wide leather belt <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason i dug this tunnel <laughs> So you're oh, you're over here with your instruments trying to decide if Peter's this thing is teach real, us about this thing. if this thing is real, or what it is. You don't know what this is, is what you're I saying. I don't have a clue. I mean, I have seen, I read the book on, uh, on Diderot's Encyclopedia, okay? And I have seen, there's a, what do you call it, Peter? A frontage page, a title page? Sure. On, on the encyclopedia that I watched an entire hour-long college lecture on this one page of the encyclopedia of Diderot's encyclopedia because he loaded it. it's gorgeous Tom it's so gorgeous he he has you know you open the book right boom there it is right and the first book in the encyclopedia the fr front page is a gorgeous engraving and tiny little symbols are in there I mean it is it's radical Intricate. I mean it's radical it is there's there's little symbols that are attacking the church and little symbols that are attacking you know, uh, like just tribal kind of follow mentality and it's symbols that are attacking the queen and the king. And, and but it's all hidden. It's all right. hush hush because Diderot, this book was banned. You know, this was a radical piece of publication. Uh, the, they preached sermons against this book. Uh, the Catholic Church put it on their list of there was some list that the Catholic Church, Church had of all the books that it, essentially, if you read these books, you're going to hell, you know. And this, hell is to not land of the knowledge in this yeah. case, because they don't want right. you to if learn. You get, if you receive knowledge, you're going to go to hell, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's sort of this, like eating So the this apple. book was on here. I mean, Diderot, Diderot was, you know, he was in trouble. Uh, you know, he was running. I mean, so this, he, you know what I mean? So Are there pages from those originals or whatever that are, or where, like, he, like you were just saying about how you can take a page out of it and sell it off is right are there the art from any of them in the art world considered valuable pieces of art i, 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 I mean they, yeah i mean no not really i mean they're they're collected by i mean a part of it is like tell me what's art you know you want to hang it on your wall it's art well, um, i mean like like da vinci's scientific notebooks are some of the most interesting. Well, that's sure that but, that's, 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 but th this is this is more mass consumption right so uh, you know, a painting, uh, in you know, in certain circles, right? A painting is is art, and a print is not, right? Yeah. Your print of the Mona Lisa isn't worth as much as the Mona Lisa, right? And but these you can look, but if you look at the the sort of the intricate art of the human body that he's drawing and the science that he's drawing and the mapping of it, it's the art of it is still as beautiful of art as sure. Oh yeah, and I would put it on my wall. You know, if I found a, a well, Da Vinci. 
Yeah. yeah. I would, like, if I found, like, a print of a Da Vinci drawing and, and really liked it, I don't give a damn if it's worth nothing. If I if it says something to me, you know, like these, these things, Peter's going to tell us what they are, but I don't really care what they are. Uh, I think they're they're really pretty, and I like them. I, there's something about them that inspire me, and so I bought them. It was ten bucks for the stack. I want to read some of this before Peter tells us. I want you don't to, care I'll, what they are. You don't care. Well, like why I mean, are all those circles drawn there with a the different line? Oh, like, what I'm is he proving mathematically that. there? And, what I'm saying is, if Peter says, "Yeah, I got bad news. These were made in 1998." No, no, I, then, I, can, I can tell you. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure. I don't know that they're Diderot in, in, in right. illustrations. They're probably not. Yeah, but uh, no, this is clearly on this, this is on handmade paper. Oh, that's a good start, right? Right, um, and you can tell that by the way. Here, hang, grab one. I mean, one you can you can feel it, right? This is it's ma- a this neat. Is, they're neat. Well, the, you know. this is paper made from rags. It's not made from wood pulp. From what? Rags. Yeah, oh. yeah. Before they before they don't figure out how to make paper out of wood until the 19th century. Before that, you're making handmade paper. You're taking old rags, you're beating the crap out of them in a, a barrel of water until you have all of these loose threads. Okay. And then you put something that looks like, kind of like a wooden frame around a screen door into this slurry. It's like a press, like a t-shirt, what they use? No, no, no. no. It's no, more no. like a, you dip this in and you lift it out. And you shake it to lock in the fibers, and it's like sti- ah, okay, it's okay, like okay. sticking um, sticking a screen door into like a f- screen door in a frame into shredded wheat, right? And you lift it up out and of the, the water. The liquid's falling out. The liquid's falling out, and you shake it, right. and you very carefully put on some felt, and it dries. Okay. And now you've got paper, and the, you weird. Can, you can see if you hold this up, you see how there are all these uh, horizontal lines. Yep. And then these brighter ones that are moving up and down, right? Uh-huh. Well, the the little skinny ones are called wire lines. And then there's what's called a chain line. That's the those are the brighter ones because you just can't have a whole bunch of vertical wires in the frame. They'll move around too much. So you put You have to have a brace. You have a brace. Right. And and you literally it wrap it has wire wrapped around it. And now you've got they're called chain lines because it's kind of like a chain. God, what a lot of work it is just to put some just things to make on a, piece a page. Of paper. Yeah, just to make a, a page. A, a pa- yeah, and they're they're paper mills, and that's what these guys did all day. They just stuck a frame, you know, into the water again and again and again, and they made sheets of paper. Now, that's if you if you're really good, wow. uh, and I have friends that did this, you can measure these chain lines, and you go, oh, this is coming from the same paper mill. If the chain lines are really off, <laughs> that's from um, a different place. That's a different. Wow. That's a different type. You know, that's that's. You might have done that later. Like, oh, this paper doesn't match the rest of it in the book. Now it could be that they ran out of it and they just. Or if you find one where it all matches and one where most of it matches and some doesn't, and there's a difference. Well, the difference, you know, in that section probably means it came later. They printed everything. When you grow up. I want to be an expert on 17th century paper making. Well, I want to be able I to know which great. batches come from where. I know. To me, it's like it's, it's weird. It is weird. It's, I don't want to do it. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's I have, awesome. I had a friend that went around. He figured out how to do light sensitive paper underneath a page, so he could, you know, he would essentially he he spent hours and hours and hours, hours and hours and, doing and, this and hours. At, yeah, at libraries all over the world. But he would put 
uh, this light-sensitive paper, and he'd shine an ultraviolet light on the page, and now he has a record of this particular page of, in his case, uh, Ben Johnson, that he could take home with him and compare them and go, oh, okay, this paper all came from the same place because the uh, lines match, and this one's this one's different. That's how we know so much stuff is because p- different people get curious about different little things, yeah, and then they become experts in that, and then they are pushed to be even more experts by like what you're talking about. Somebody else has another goth book, like, and mm-hmm. and they just it's are cra- obsessed. It's a crazy kind of brain, right? You is know that where I mean? you're going to end up in Crazy Town with this I, obsessive? You know, I would, I wouldn't mind. It, I wouldn't mind ended up in Crazy Town. I've heard it's nice, you know. Yeah. I've seen it. It's definitely there's not a lot of guns there. And well, check this one out, Stuart. This, if you hold this one up, yes, you can see. There's a lot of art in this one. Two though. drips. Is this one different. Did you hold that up to the light, Tom? Yeah, I saw it. So you see those drips up at the top? Yep. That's I see just two. Yeah. It, uh, up at the top. I'm holding this one up to the light. Okay. It, it's real neat. I didn't notice any of this stuff. I looked at every one of these for a while. You know what I mean? But what Peter is showing me now, I, I didn't notice. It looks like. It's, it looks like if you were painting something, if you were painting watercolors, yeah. and then you accidentally just dropped, there were two drops of water, and they kind of smudged your watercolor. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and that, basically that's, those are drips from the frame. He fucked up. <laughs> he just... Oh, that's great. But it's a human, it's a, such a human thing as opposed to a normal book, right? Yeah. There's a human being that made that paper. Some dude... Oh. Some dude in whenever this was made, yeah. was, you know, his buddy went, hey, you're an idiot. And he went, what? And then messed up my page. Yeah. And there's some expert out there that knows, yeah, this is Jimmy from Ben yeah, Franklin. Right. <laughs> right. That guy was a slacker. Right. And he was an idiot. Yeah. Arnold was right. That guy. Look at, look at the little, at the top, Tom, at the top of that page is where Jimmy screwed up my, my, my art. And, and so, by the way, what, what Tom was talking about where there's the dent into the paper uh-huh. So so you got the potato, right? Okay, you carved the potato. It says Peter on it. You mm. kind of take a stamp. knife and right. you dipped it in ink and Peter Peter Peter. Right. right. This Peter. is this is the opposite of that. This is you've dug holes, you know, you, you it's called a a, a burin and you have had you've had a piece of copper, a big piece of copper in this case. Okay. And you literally sit and carve little grooves in the copper. And then, when you go, when it's time to be printed, you smear ink all over it, just like Tom was talking about with his stamp. Right, except that in this it, case, it, it's the reverse. Instead of instead yes. of it's not instead of raised, it's, it's carved into it's it. It's carved into it, and the ink stays in the little grooves. You so you wipe ink all over it, put and ink you, all over it, and then you take a rag and smear it off the surface. The surface, but in the grooves, ink is still in there. That's right, and this is called what's called an intaglio. I-T-A-L-G-I-O. It's Italian. Italio print. And uh, and in order to get enough pressure to get the ink out of the grooves onto the page. That's what I was thinking. How do you do? It's it's laying in there. So you would have to push something in it or something? You have, to, you have what's called an intaglio press, which is a higher pressure press than, say, letter press. Because, you know, if you've got the ink on the top like the potato, like you do with type. Right. Right. All right, you slap it down, you squeeze a little bit, and the ink comes off the sure. surface. But to get the paper into those grooves, you got to really crank this down. It's got a big wheel on the top, and you crank it down significantly, a lot of pressure. And that I've seen, I've seen pictures of of 
that of like it's it's almost like a like the top of a submarine kind of thing when you just you yeah, open yeah. And, yeah, the, exactly. and the and the and the hatch pops same, up. same sort of wheel exactly it's the same so. sort of wheel yeah and that's yeah. Be awful for me you know what I mean I'm, it's already hard enough for me and just to get like honey the printer isn't working can you go that- in there and <laughs> right, right reset it right. I don't right. Back then, ah, when the printer really? you still can't figure out how to work the right. printer. Like Back I, then, when the printer wasn't working, it means that Tom got drunk. <laughs> like the printer's literally not working. He's like, <laughs> can you imagine having Frank's to... jammed in the printer again? <laughs> right yeah. now, you, you know, you get mad, you kick it, or whatever. Back then, you literally you had to make the paper. I mean, forget printing. We had to get to the point where now the paper is made. Right, yes. and then you had to carve copper, and then and then you're ready to print. Yeah, I like it better now with the thing where it's easy. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, this is fascinating that they had to do all this work. You had to do all this work to get to get a page. And you know? and that, by the way, that's why you've got the mark around the illustration. That's from the press squeezing the crap out of the piece of paper. That's. You know that that's how you know it's an engraving. So is this worth anything? Is this stuff worth anything? I mean, you know, it is. It's worth whatever two people. I mean, it isn't worth thousands of dollars, but you can buy a Diderot print for seventeen bucks online, and you can buy a Diderot print, you know, a Diderot illustration online for three hundred bucks online, right? You know, the whole encyclopedia runs you about a hundred thousand. Last time I checked, uh, which was a while ago. And he's looked at one. Peter's, yeah, Peter's yeah. I mean, seen they, one. They had they, do they at the university. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, it's all in French. What do I know? Uh, but we had at the University of Virginia. There's a collection of, uh, I mean, the official term is splendid French books. They, this was somebody who was really rich. Like and Jefferson? Who, no, no, more. I mean, well, Jefferson went into debt. Yeah, Jefferson was. But no, debt, this, this, yeah. yeah, this was you know, beautiful hand tooled, gold leaf leather. Um, because part of what, uh, part like again, like Stuart was saying, books were expensive, right? And when you bought a book from a bookseller, and this goes, you know, even into the 19th century, you didn't buy, like, you know, there isn't a book on the shelf, right? You say, hey, yeah, give me one of those. They would sell you the the gatherings, the the pages of the book, folded, and you know, and then you would take them away. To a binder, to have it bound. Oh, custom, really? Yeah, because that way, you know, maybe you wanted it to match the living room, or what? You know, I mean, or you wanted it to be, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, the, uh, I want one with you know the most ornate gold tooling that you have. Have any printer printers tried that? Like, like now, like where they're like you can you can order this specifically with we have three or four different. Um, Three or four different uh, bindings of it, and you can pick one of these. I mean, and have it, it tends to be Franklin Mint type stuff today. I mean, you've all seen that. You know, you go into somebody's house and they have this beautiful shelf of leather books that you know that they have never read, right? right? You know, and it, it's that is like the uh, the equivalent of the trailer park version of this 18th century notion, right? right. I'm going to have all these lovely leather bound volumes. I mean, you know, and the text inside is. You know, some sort of modern reprint, or it's Moby Dick, or whatever, and like, look at the leather, right? I mean, they they have the, these. So then, I assume some books are the like they're just bound differently, and some like let's say Adams and Jefferson got a similar book. Would they, and then they get them bound by their 
the guy that they like that binds that yeah. binds. Yeah, yeah, and, and they might say, you know, would you, you know, I mean, they're they're would, different, you know, do would you like a half, you know, half calf, uh, like C A L F, right? Or would you like this done in, you know, goat leather? Or would you like this done in, right? You know, and how much how much work would you like us to do in, you know, doing blind tooling or? So who had historically who had a better taste in uh, in, in getting and for collectors anyway of getting their books bound like even if they were the same book well I mean is, this there, is, is there is there like ah the guy that Adams used was a better quality these are worth more than say you know, uh, I mean you know it, it it depends I mean I don't know founding fathers versus founding fathers but right. there there there's a there's a famous collection of books that are. Uh, bound in cotton. Uh, it was two sisters, if I remember correctly, and it's, they, you know, humorously named theirs the Catonian Library because it's all bound in like, okay. uh, you know, cloth, right? Right. But those still show up on the market. Like they had a lot of books, okay. and you can still buy one of those. But you know, but with something like this, so like the the collection at, at the University of Virginia, this Gordon collection, they. That guy collected books because he liked the bindings, right? He mm. wanted the fanciest bindings he could. Officially, right. to actually hold one of these books, uh, the stipulation when he donated all this to the library was that you had to wear white gloves. Be, you know, white cotton gloves, as in, don't get your... I don't like this guy. You're not uh, crazy about him? I don't like him. Well, he, he was you, able Peter, to... You're good. I mean, no, you were good. I'm it, talking about the white gloves guy. The white well, gloves guy? It, like it wasn't yeah. just to be fancy. It's don't get the acid from your fingers all over these nice books. Because they've been around for you know three hundred years, and if you treat them nice, they'll be around for four hundred years. All right, right, that makes sense. Now I like them again. Um, You're back to him. Okay. But yeah, you can tell that this is you know. By, by the way, you know, given the, the age of the paper, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm kind of guessing at, but this is you know this is 18th century stuff. Um, you know, this is going to be a copper plate. Uh, they eventually went to steel plates because copper. You know, the nice thing about copper is it's soft. The bad thing about copper is it's soft. So easier know, to carve into, but it breaks. Well, it, no, it, it you know because there's all this pressure, right? Yeah, right. They get they get smooth after they a while. They get smooth, and then, and then you got to go back yeah. and re-engrave them. Ah, okay. Now, uh, are there forgers that go back and try to re- recreate these methods and use them? Yeah, or there's sometimes you have these uh, situations where you have like different states of illustrations because the the guy, you know, again, and this is this is not the original artist, right? This is a craftsman after the fact. Uh, for a book like Dickens' Pickwick Papers, if you're really into collecting Dickens' Pickwick Papers, there are earlier versions which are worth more in the book of the illustrations and later ones. Because, and the way you can tell is the guy would have to go back and engrave it because they printed a whole bunch of copies with these illustrations and eventually the plates are starting to wear out. And they say, well, go back in and re- recarve this. And this time he says, eh, I'll put a hat in. And so there's a hat ah, so in the changed, picture. Yeah, he changes the picture. Bit. Yeah, you know, he's bored. I'll tell you one thing I really like about this is uh, what Tom pointed out immediately, which was, and I had no clue what it was until Peter told me, but you can see the the, the line where the press, yeah, it's so much pressure that it's still, it, you would figure over time that that would just kind of, you know. Even out, it would even pop out, back out, but it, it doesn't, pop, no. It just, it's, it's like permanently pressed into this page. Yeah. You know, where they screwed that submarine lid on there and it's, you know. Right. And I you, just think these things are cool, and these so apparently they're in pretty good shape, man. I, I mean, it's, it's well because it, it's, it's it's you know here's the funny thing, because this is made of rags. You know, everyone talks about like oh you know acid free paper or whatever. 
this is pretty much naturally, you know, acid-free. It's the, it's, you know, it's the quote-unquote improved paper, the cheaper paper that they made in the 19th century. Hmm. That's the part that falls apart. You know, you, that's the, you go into a, a used bookshop and you see a cheap paperback from the 1950s where, like, if you oh, bend, yeah. b- bend a corner, it snaps off in your hand. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because that's wood pulp high-acid paper. This stuff lasts forever. That's, so once again, the older is better. Yeah. Once again. Yeah, but also, but also tremendously more expensive, right? You know, event. Right. You know, you can make wood pulp paper. They eventually come up with these huge presses to make it, right? You know, where right. you can do huge rolls of it and just cheaper. It, it just got cheaper. They figured out how to. They had. They figured out how to make them cheaper, and you don't have to do yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't one dude. You know, doing going through all that stuff. Now you can get it on this and just mass produce the crap. Right. You know, that was called a, a Fournier machine. But did you for, find all these pages together at once, or were you? Yeah, did, yeah. yeah. They, uh, they were. They were in yeah. a big stack. I put them in this. They weren't in. This is just a piece of cardboard that was roughly that size, and I kind of, you know, folded them in here, right. you know, and to I, bring them here, you know. And were I believe this is an 18th century, by the way, astronomy text. That is my. That's your guess. That is my guess. Right. Uh, and but I, whatever, whatever. But yeah, it but was, still cool, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Whatever it was, you know, is. Not cheap to no. make or buy, you know, because I want to I end this by talking about uh, the Enlightenment once again, you know. Okay. You can imagine, I mean, this wasn't, it wasn't cheap to make these books, and so therefore they were pricey, you know, and therefore only the elites had them, you know. Right. I mean, there were a lot of subscribers to Diderot's encyclopedia, but when I say a lot, you know, because you know, it took 20 years for all the volumes to come out. And, like, about halfway through, he was up to 4,000 subscribers. Right. Which, I mean, you know, is a lot. I think we already have more of that on, for the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and this is cheap to make. Yeah, yeah. and we're not bringing right. all and the knowledge. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, Only one of us is squishing rags into a thing. But, yeah, and by the way, you can tell, I mean, there's this one illustration that's just gorgeous. And this is, I mean, this is just the skill of the thing, right? I mean, again, these are craftsmen, but they're really, really skilled craftsmen. That is just... That we were we were pointing out that picture a minute. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And you can see, so you see all of these. I mean, this picture of the Earth, or maybe the Moon. That looks like I the moon. moon. Yeah, I think that's the Moon. Yeah. Um, is, so it's not that great. We can't tell if it's the Moon or the Earth. Oh. <laughs> well, that's just because I'm ignorant about astronomy. Um, but you can see that it's a series of uh, of uh, horizontal lines, right? That's how the you can see these little lines. How the printing is done, yeah. yeah. Well, no, this isn't how the printing is done. This is how the engraving is done. Okay. There's one guy who's sitting there with a plate. By the way, they, they would rotate the plate sometimes to do, because the idea was that you had a rhythm where you just went straight, right? So if you had to do something at an angle, you'd turn the plate rather than... Then turn your arm. It. Yeah. What Peter is doing is he's he, he's got a little tool, imaginary tool in his hand. It's object work, folks. Right. right. And he's got a piece of copper, and he's just you're just scraping straight. So you would right. turn the the copper and you slowly. Can, and you can see this is. I mean, it's it's almost like you know an old line printer, right? Where it's right. And this is just a guy, and he would go heavier or lighter. Amazing. And I mean, he's you know this isn't like multiple runs. This is. He, that, is, he did all that in one thing. Yeah, he did this in one go. You know, I'm going to lift up here and put my arm down here, and I'm going to go a little heavier here because that's how you make it darker. You make Jesus sure. Christ. The, what we're looking at is a. Uh, uh, we'll put a picture of it on Facebook, but um, it's it's the moon, and it you, it is so incredibly detailed. 
And Peter's telling me right now that one guy did it. I figured it was layered. Like you, like they started out with just a white circle and then they printed another thing on top of it and another thing until they got to that final explosion where the meteorite is hit or whatever. This is one guy with a little tool carved all the craters, all the little lines, all the light dark in the moon in one go, screwed the submarine lid on and printed it. Right. And so is this art so is this art form or craftsman form? This gone? is craftsman. Are there anybody that is there people around that can still do this? I mean, there's the occasional fine art person, I guess. But no. I mean this is this is like uh, if you're in a an old building, say in New York City, and you look at the ornate plaster work, right? right there isn't a, it's, it's lost, right? There isn't a guy that could, you know, if if, a, if there's water damage, he can do this ornate plaster work. They're, those guys are just gone, right? And there's there, you know, I mean, yeah, you you can go get a, you know, a plate of copper and get and, a computer to do it, yeah, or you know, scrape this get, yourself. Get, 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 but but a, but a guy that can printer. do this. We'll recreate yeah. the, the ornate copper work with 3D printers. But yeah. uh, By the way, and, and here's an example of, you see, I mean, it's always just lines, right? Uh, so, uh, sorry, there's a... Uh, Underneath the moon. Yeah, there's a picture another of what, engraving. I'm going to call it an astrolabe, for lack of a better term. And there's shadow that what? is done by lines. We were like, that's a, that's a hollow globe? We are like, well, hollow like globe. a globe skeleton. <laughs> He's like, what did you say it is? A globe skeleton is a neat term, and that kind of is what it looks like. Um, Go ahead, Peter. Uh, but I was just going to say, you know, light and shadow. The shadow, it's just about quantity of lines, like how narrow. And pressure. Wide, and pressure. Yeah. Right. But then there's, a, there's another piece that's coming on an angle on this illustration of the astrolabe. It looks like a it looks and, like a detailed he, drawing is what and it looks he like. that's exactly what it looks like to and me he too. turned it see so he's he's doing the lines here gotcha. and then he turns it you know so he can again just keep them all in parallel i mean here's the incredible part this guy you know or you know it might have been multiple people working on a single copper plate but it was probably one man right uh he did it all as a negative right he didn't I'm, get anything out of it you yeah. know positives. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, this, that right there made me very happy. You don't know how happy that made me. Because right when you said it, I went, "Yeah, Peter." <laughs> like I was like, "Why you got to focus on the negative?" Why you got to focus on? on the I negative. was right with Tom. Yeah, That's yeah. How, I'm, it's I'm a, a, like a photographic have, negative. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just. Yeah. I don't know anything about this. Yeah, a photo. Yeah, he's the reverse of it. He's a photographic negative. Of right. It. So, but like, I was right with you when I said it, and then I went, "Oh, yeah, he's kidding." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took a second for that joke to sink in. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, these white parts here, you know, the, where it looks like it's a polar cap or something like that on right. this illustration of what we're going to uh, on think the, moon. Of the moon. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where no ink is, which means that's the surface, you know, of the plate. I got you. Plate. That's, that's a white dot is what Peter's pointing at. Yeah. So there is, so in that one little spot, it is not engraved at all. It, that's the surface, so there would be no ink on it. That's but right. But then right around the tiny thing, he would have to carve a little tiny ring. Yeah. Because I, there is ink there. It is remarkable that this didn't cost... Two hundred thousand dollars in back then. 
You know, with all the amount of work that goes into this, I'm just I mean, amazed that you how much just work bought, you put into knowing that that how it was right, done. Like, right. I mean, Peter's Peter's got years to. He Peter bought Bob Woodward's fear. Right? What was it? Thirty bucks. Yeah. I mean, this thing. If that if Bob Woodward's fear is thirty bucks, this thing right here should have been like, give me all the horses you got and your pig and your right. donkey. <laughs> it's one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I get two weeks. You know, just I mean, here, I here's the sad thing, and this this is this is really difficult uh, for people to understand historically, especially when you're talking about book production. Right, is that materials were expensive, and people were cheap, and that's the exact opposite of how things work now. Yeah. So, for instance, that's very well put, is it not? Yes, it is. That's, yes. what, yeah, well, that sums up so much. Well, what it means is that you end up, you're like, why the hell would they do that? That sounds like a hell of a lot of work. And the answer is, your time was nothing. So, like, they would do things like, uh, this is why we were talking about additions earlier, right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the way addition, you know, the meaning of it uh, initially when they were talking about it with books is you would you'd put all the type in the little forms, right? And you'd print up a bunch of books. Right. And then because the type was the most expensive thing in the shop, right, by far, more important than your time, they would then take all the forms apart and put all the little letters back in the little cubby holes where they were supposed right. to go. Like for like if you work at a like if you work at a a, a restaurant and you go out and change the 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 sign, you know, yeah. to say the special. Yeah. And then the next week you go out there and take down those letters and now it's right. Like, I used you know, to do that. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I, used to, I did they, too. My, they used to let me make up make up my own expressions. I'd write jokes and put them up there. Really? <laughs> yeah. On what? Where were you working? I was working at this place called um, uh, the Rose Dungeon, Fourth Quarter, or something in in was Tallahassee. It, and was it a bar? Yeah, it was like a little restaurant bar, oh, and grill like a sports thing. pub type of little the fourth bit, quarter. Yeah. So I would, you know, Bo Jackson would be coming to town like Bo knows football and Bo knows baseball, but Krabby knows uh, omelets. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know? And, and, I used to do it at Dairy Queen. Like that. Our I used bartenders, to write some stuff people on. walk with heavy hands. Our bartenders pour with them. You know, like, right, right. Put up you know, those. Yes. yes, I used to do it at Dairy Queen. I used to make up my own stuff too, but they didn't let me. But the guy just didn't notice. Isn't oh, that great? Yeah. Yes, that like, is he was great. that oblivious. You know, but we had a TCBY that opened two doors down from us, pretty much, and so I, I was constantly, you know, ragging on him. That's great. I was like, uh, what did I put? I, uh, um, Something like uh, TCBY shut down health concerns, and on the other side, it said uh, rats will do that to you, or something like that. <laughs> what? It's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I was just mean, but it, in my mind, it was always funny. Right. But yeah, I I have here. I'm going to hit some highlights because I printed this out. Uh, just some highlights of Dieter Rose Encyclopedia. Okay. Because this, this is, is really you guys are such different minds than mine. Like I look at this and I'm like, look, it's like a paper Waffle House. Thing. Well, no, I, they, I love that description. That right? You yeah, no, it's accurate. But you it's guys accurate. have like you, um, and then you're like, and this is this paper's from blah 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 in the 1782. Like, and they did you explain the whole printing process and like, well, that's what the Peter. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the like, legacy of a misspent youth. Is all that is. That's just yeah. great, great. But great. I mean, Peter, no, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, but, I mean, Peter is just. I mean, that's you he, know, that's he the, has a love for this. You cannot get that deep into it's no, it's a, there's love involved in this for Peter. He's really interested in it and he you know and he always demurs he's always like well i have friends that know so much more peter loves books 
so it's it ends up being infectious. Like you're like the level. It's like I don't too, care you know? about that. And then all of a sudden, as you're, I can see like you know this stuff, and you're pouring out this knowledge about. It, and then it's like, yeah. oh, okay. this, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, like. Uh, but you know, you and I are kind of similar on this. Peter knows a lot. You and I don't know much at all about this. But listening to him, wasn't it kind of cool? I mean, yeah, I kind of yeah, like, I, agree. I learned how that paper was made and I actually can picture that guy, you know, sweating over that, over that copper plate. And I don't know. I kind of like stuff like that. Do, you know, do I want to take a class in it? No, not really. But I, I want to kind of, I'm glad that I learned all that stuff. Right. Right. You know, I think that's part of having a curious mind. It's like, I don't, I don't have to want to do everything I learn, you know, but right. I kind of like learning just random stuff, and it's just the world's neat. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to read just a couple here. I'm not going to go into de- I, this. Is just some, you know, some greatest hits of Dino's sure. Encyclopedia, because this was a. I mean, this book was important. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This was an important. The Age of Enlightenment it cannot be over, in my opinion. It, more Americans should know about it because it. it well, it, it's where we came from. It's really where we came from. Right. Is this is this from the encyclopedia? Can no, you uh, Peter. Peter says probably not. But this is similar to what was the type of engravings that were in the set. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a yeah. set of you know gorgeous engravings, right? Uh, Which, from around the same period because it's around the yeah because you yeah. know again it, it, you know, these things are also a matter of fashion, right? You know, um, you know, uh, age of sports cars in the nineteen sixties where you know everybody's got a convertible, right? And these are expensive books to show off to people. I mean, you know, this is a show offy size. These pages, right. you know, about the, the size House of menu. a Waffle House menu. Somebody yeah, knows, like somebody will look at this and be even more of an expert than you, and be like, Absolutely. "Oh, that's from uh, that's page fourteen of Gibbero Gibbero's third chapter." Right? Or they're going to look at this right? and they go, "Because <laughs> right. I, I looked at the right. the, of it is. the signed illustration." Oh. They're going to go, "Oh, this is Bernard Reset. He was." You know, this sort of person, this is his, his astronomy, which, you know, was published in such and such. You know, okay. I'm Googling and I gotta, shit. And I got to be honest. I mean, you know, that is a rabbit hole I could go down. I mean, they're, all of them are signed. Well, they're not signed in by hand, but that's copper plate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, so the we, illustrator is is listed. And you've we got have the illustrator's and name. And you've got a title. Yeah. I'll probably Google that. I'll probably Google his name. It's kind of, I'd kind of like to know something about this dude. How long you have know? you had this? I don't know, to be honest. I, I don't know. What I do remember is... It's good is, Google has compiled all the information, because now you can find out I what can. this thing that was trying to right. compile all the information... And at one, and at, and at one point in time, uh, there were some people saying, well, you know, uh, I've never planted this particular seed. Well, let's go to Diderot's encyclopedia. You okay. know, the, it, you know, and now we can go, well, let's Google it. Back then, they could. and But you go 100 years before that, you know, you either knew or you didn't. Right. Or, or someone could teach you. You could go to an elder and say, teach me, you know. But Or or you, you could know. be an apprentice, and there is a very strict guild system, right? I mean, that's part of, you know, why a lot of people are pissed at Diderot, because, look, you know, I'm a leather maker. The way that I have my shop is that I have apprentices, and they join the guild, and you have to you be You wanted to learn how to make a boot? You had to go through that guy. You right. had to get in line. I mean, he, oh, you had so to he, serve your time, learn how to make a boot. You know, and he cut yeah. through that. He was like, "Here's how you do it." He brought information right to the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy's a hero. I didn't even—I never even heard of this guy before. Diderot, and I like him. Yeah, I've never heard of him before. He's really great. He really is. And he, yeah. But but the thing is, if you want to learn how to make a boot, say yep. right, 
then okay, Peter John Burns is the boot maker in the town. Okay, I want to learn how to make a boot. Now I got to. Peter's not just going to say, "Oh, well, here's how you do it." He's going to make me work for him. Correct. So then my labor is going to. I'm going to. Yes, I'm going to gain knowledge, but my labor is going to go to. You know. Yeah, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna pay you squat. And you're gonna pay me squat. And you're willing to take it because one day I'm gonna die, and then you'll be the master. And then boot I'll be maker. the bootmaker. Yeah. But let's say I want to learn how to make a boot, and I want to learn how to engrave copper plates, and I also want to learn how to be a you know to be a horse racer, right? To race horses, and what you only have one life, but with this kind of stuff, you can be interested in a, a wide array oh, wow, okay. of this things. Is, I'm, I'm way more. I get it way more now. An hour thirty in. An hour, yeah. Like <laughs> you understand? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's I get fairly that. well put. Is it not, yeah, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. You can literally you can expand your mind. You know, you're not just the stonemason or the copper plate guy or the shoemaker. Or you can you can say I have a curious mind, and I no, I do not want to be a, a a leather boot maker. I don't want to devote my whole life to that. Right. But there is a but guy I, that is, and here's his knowledge. Right. And I'd kind of like to know how it's made. Right. Right. I don't. You yeah. Know? I mean, I don't think a lot of people said, "Oh, you know, I read the entry in the encyclopedia. I'm going to go set up a boot shop." But you got to, you got to know this thing, you know, just like you know. Now you know what an Italio press is, right? right? You don't have to, you know, apprentice for ten years to know what it is, and you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you're going to do anything with it. It's like I don't know if it's going to help me to know how a boot is made, but I find it interesting. Yeah, and I think right. that I think there's a there's a stimulus to that, right? Oh, if I can learn how that's made, well, maybe I can learn how this other thing is made. But is it also? Am I wrong in saying this? It's the difference between uh, my dad was a bootmaker, so now I'm a bootmaker. Okay, yeah. I have a skill, I have knowledge about making boots, right? Uh, well, okay, that's one type of learning, right? Which is basically I want to learn as much as I have to in order to make a living, right? Okay, and then there's another type of of thinking, which is. I'm curious about the world. No, I don't know anything about astronomy. So this book is, as Peter says, is probably an astronomy uh, book, right? And so that, so then I could go and look. And no, I'm never going to make a living in astronomy. I'm not. But I can learn something about it by reading about it, you know? Right. But you go back to 1300. No, you cannot read a book about astronomy. You're a bootmaker. Right. You know, this is an opening up of information to people. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 beautiful. It's, yeah, it really is. It's really and this cool. This is like a piece of that history of when when we when sort of we made that leap to start starting to have this knowledge. You yeah, know, and you, at our and, you, and you also end up with people like Ben Franklin, who's you know he's yeah, a I printer. Mean, that's an Latin, you know, I mean he that Voltaire, Ben Franklin, uh, Thomas Paine. You that right that threesome right there might just be enlightenment. You know, put them on the mountain. Right. Well, but yeah. I'm thinking of Franklin in particular because he was you know he had five different jobs, right? He's, in, he was, he's a ben printer. Franklin he's was a, curious about everything. Right. Well, That's he was kind in of a perfect business then being a printer because now he's learning it while he's printing it, and you know, like he's right, yeah. Right. And he also I'm by printing the way, it and reading it. While and that I'm going. and that ends up being sort of the mother of invention, like that same like we were talking about Einstein before. Einstein before it wasn't that he sat down and came up with all these theories. It was like here's a theory over here from one general area yes. of science, and here's yeah, another yeah, one yeah. from another area of On science. On the shoulders of giants. Yeah, yeah, where he puts them together, where he's like, ah, yes, that matches with this, and blah, 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 and then fills in a piece mm -hmm. that bridges them, as opposed to being an expert just in this field, or being an expert just in this field, or, you know. Right, right, And right. so then that sort of, maybe that happened for Franklin, where he was printing all this different knowledge, and then that started... Making him think this way or this way about a lightning rod or electricity. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, I think he was just generally yeah. curious. And also, you know, it helped that 
as the town printer, he eventually got pretty wealthy. Yes. So then he could say, ah, oh, you know what? I got my guys working. I'm going to go fuck off and, you know, play what with play play with lightning rods. Uh, let me read a little yeah, bit of this, okay? Uh, this is just something I printed off because I it, it, it kind of gives us a little bit. It doesn't go into depth, but I kind of wanted to emphasize how important this encyclopedia is, you know, and kind of what. So this is just some facts. Uh, this says, uh, this, the famous encyclopedia was a beacon of free thought that helped fuel the French Enlightenment and revolutionize social and political order in the Western world. Authorities saw it as a dangerous work. It was banned in France. The Catholic Church placed it on the index of prohibited books. Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's knowledge. It's a collection right, right. of knowledge. And they, they that's said, a threat. That's a it's threat. Almost, it's almost the answer to my question at the start of this show, by the way. Which was? When did it start? And it says, it's, it didn't, that was when that Coming sentence? up, here yeah. we go. The encyclopedia began as a humble project. In 1743, French publisher uh, Breton, B-R-E-T-O-N? Breton, yeah. Breton asked encyclopedias John Mills to complete a French translation of, of a cyclopedia. When Mills failed to complete the project, it was transferred uh, then to Diderot, who proved... Yeah, and it... Diderot sent out a prospectus. There's two I, of them. Yeah, yeah. But I right. said, but when I at the beginning, I was like, "When did the Enlightenment start?" And then the years that the well, this is sort of in the right middle. In the right, right. Yeah, here. he's he's kind of in the middle. He's kind of in the started. middle. Seventeen. This is 1743. Is when the they you know the first guy's given the job of collecting all 1743. So that's kind of in the middle of it, you know. Um, so the information starts to be available more widespread, and then people start to gain that knowledge, and that starts the enlightenment. And within that, he's like, "I'm also going to start collecting it." So, but I this think is uh, right from what era. I've read, yeah, I think you're right. But I think from what I've read is like, I mean, literally, there's an explosion of scientific thought, farming, bridge building, uh, architecture, poetry. There's literally an explosion of human curiosity and human intelligence going on, not just in one pocket of France, but in England. And and in Australia, all these places g added to it. You know, the early Americas. You know what I mean? Had you know, we had Thomas Paine, all this stuff. So, the idea that all of these advancements and all, not just science, but we're also talking agriculture, right? Right. And we're talking masonry. It's like a tech bubble, but of human thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and I so, and I would say that how put it? Dieter's encyclopedia isn't the cause. Right. It's the evidence. That of the phenomenon, oh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't start the phenomenon. It's the evidence that the phenomenon happened because yeah, you wouldn't think so to do much, this. There's so much going on; it, it seems almost, you know, uh, inevitable that someone would say, "We should be writing this down." Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's brilliant people everywhere. I can't escape it. And they started to collect it and write all this crap down, you know. And uh, with the end result being more people were able to learn about it, you know, because it's written down. You know? Right. I mean, there's look, Diderot's encyclopedia is still a primary source for how did people do this in the 18th century. Right. Um, and and how did people make bricks? Right. How do you make a brick? You know. Right. How and so oh well, let's go to the encyclopedia and learn how you make a brick. All right. Let me read some more of this here. Beginning in 1747, uh, they were commissioned. Diderot commissioned more than 100 scientists, doctors, writers, scholars, and craftsmen to write for the encyclopedia, including the likes of, well, they have some, Voltaire, Rousseau. They divided their work into three categories, history, philosophy, and poetry. 
and they assigned sub like tabs, like Todd was talking about, uh, subjects within uh, the categories as industry, political theory, thought, theology, agriculture, arts, sciences, is. and these three groups. Yeah, it's an incredible. And you want to talk? Not, I mean, it would be big undertaking for us to cut and paste and and have a folder on our on our laptop. They're making pages. Right. Yeah. You know, now we're getting to some. Uh, and, and and Diderot like was working in grinding poverty for a lot of this. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was completely destitute. Uh, the first volume was published in 1751. So 750, 1751, the first volume comes out. It succeeded in it succeeded in a appalling France's political and religious elite. See, the encyclopedia made little distinction between Christianity and any other religion. Yeah, that's a big one. You're basically lumping Christianity in with. Islam, well, they're, they're the entry under yeah, they're the, the entry under C, and then Muslim is the entry under M. And, right. you they're know. not giving any prominent thing. The, it still pisses people off today. My wife gives a talk or gave a talk. She they won't let her do it anymore. Really? Uh, yeah, they asked for someone else at, at University of Georgia, and it's once a week or for a week at the University of Georgia. Right? They had this program where students that are going to go into the educational field they get to learn about different types of schools. You know, so one day they have someone come in from a private Christian school and give a talk about what their school is and how it is, you know. So my wife was doing the Montessori, right? So she would come in, and, and, and this is how Montessori. And someone said, um, do, do you teach Christianity, you know, at Montessori school? And she said, yes, yes, we do. We teach a, a whole array of myths. <laughs> And then they so they said she, now she's not allowed to go be well. I mean, they were, it's not like they went rah rah. They but she meant it that way. They teach all type. They 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 consider it a, a creation myth. Here is one of the the ideas that humans. This is a place of thought. It's a university. They're right. Like, you it's can't. A, it's a you know the the Montessori school says here are a bunch of different stories that humans have come up with about where we came from and right. how we got the, here. The Hindus think it's this, and right. the Christians think it's this, and yeah. So Montessori lumps Christianity in with here's all the myths that we've made up. Well, they got one, I think one girl from the class, my wife said, got up and left. She could she's going to be a teacher, and she couldn't listen to my wife say, "We teach a lot of we teach a lot of myths about creation." Right. You know, I'm and, getting angry. Well, you should. We all should be angry. People should be pissed. People should be turning off this podcast and, you know, storming the Basile. That's not going to help anything at the University of Georgia. I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, All right. Let's read a little here and then wrap this up. Did she fight it? Did your wife fight Uh, it? Or did she just say, all right, whatever? My wife fights intellectually, meaning that she went home and told me about it. No. she, She said it's ridiculous. And they and then I think... Don't hold me to this, and I, I might be wrong, but either the Montessori school said, well, we'll send someone else to do it because there was some controversy, right? Or my wife said, I don't want to do it because they can't even – one of the two, you know what I mean? My wife said, they're going to get upset because I called it – that's exactly what it is. And, oh, shit. The university you know? should be standing up for it and being like, you walk – you should be fired from your job for being so uh, I, close-minded as a teacher. Yeah. Well, University we of Kentucky – pretend that your school, your Christian school is – is teaching in an accredited education, like like our education secretary who has a right. college degree from a made up thing that's a Christian. That's not a that's not an education. I agree. That's 17, teaching you to not think. Seventeen fifty one, 
1751, they released one volume of the encyclopedia, and basically it says here they put in Christianity along with other religions, and it pissed people off. 2017, my wife said the same thing, and she can't go back to the school to say it again. Isn't that insane? It's crazy. Yes, and they're the oppressed. He's mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, just... Ugh. Tom needs a Red Bull. Well, just, just, yeah, this is just, the, sometimes I get really irritated at uh, the, You should. We all the, should be irritated. And then uh, you got to be not, not, all Christians aren't like that. That's true. They aren't. But there's yeah, a lot of them that, that are true. ganged together that are, that right. are shitty. Uh, let's see. Where was I? You're suppressing our beliefs. Day labor. Sorry. Um, no, no. I, you, hey, you should be, we sh- you should be mad. Uh, I just, I just, the I'm good news saying, is it's a good thing Jesus rose from his grave, or he'd have been rolling over in it for the last fucking two thousand years. Nice. Listening to everybody, nice. <laughs> that was beautiful. The good. I'm going to give you some good news. Okay. The encyclopedia was published. We have it. Peter's <laughs> Peter's viewed one, touched one. Yeah. Flipped through the pages. I mean, yeah, I had to wear the gloves, but sure. You had to wear the gloves, which you know, you know what? Come to think of it. You know what? I'm kidding. Have they made sort of a? I guess I was just I was going to ask us. Have they had like a reprinting in a modern version? And then I forgot about Encyclopedia Britannica, basically for the whatever, however long. And the same idea. That, and yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Same and idea. I, I'm, you know, I don't know if the, if you can buy a facsimile Diderot's Encyclopedia. Probably someone made one at some point. Right. They, I mean, they're still out there. I mean, because you know they ended up selling a bunch of these. And it's you know it's a lot of shelf space. A lot of people don't want. Yeah, <laughs> that's a sure. big. That's a big book. That's yeah. a big ask. It, you know. Yeah, it's a big book. Uh, they made little distinction between Christianity and other religions, pr- uh, provided extensive writings on the work of craftsmen, day laborers, espoused discoveries of the scientific uh, revolution, and in some cases openly supported radical political theories, challenging the source of power of the ruling class. Unlike the church, the French intellectual community received the encyclopedia with enthusiasm. So, you know, th- of course, uh, the popularity of the work grew quickly, and the number of subscribers increased with each volume published. Like Peter said, not to be challenged, ranking members of the church began a campaign of harassment against Diderot and their contributors, and his contributors, I guess. 1752, King Louis XV uh, placed a ban on the enterprise, but revoked it three months later. The attacks continued. However, many of the individuals writing for the encyclopedia resigned. So their, their threat caused a lot of them to, to resign uh, his his partner was forced to abandon the project when he was threatened with imprisonment. In 1759, with only seven volumes published, Louis XV placed a permanent ban on the encyclopedia. Uh, undeterred, D- Diderot was ordered. Uh, undeterred, Diderot and ordered the creation of several companion volumes of illustrations, which were exempt from the ban. This guy's a hero. He really is. He, I mean, this this dude is, you know, the king. You imagine the king is coming down on you, you know, and he's still going. He's still, he's still. I'm sure. He, I'm sure there's been jihad, some jihad declared on him. And that's essentially there's, what happened. There's right? another, the Christians I mean, when are, the king threatens you with, with imprisonment, you, you know, that's essentially what happened. You know, right under a monarchy, that's a real threat. And that's he's literally threat. out there continuing to fight because he's. I wonder if it was because. He was just obsessed with this idea, or if he felt like it was really going to help humanity to move forward. And in the long run, it know. does, right? It, well, the- it's probably a balance, right? You know, it's one of these balances where it's like you, at any rational person, at that point goes, "Well, I'm out," right? You know, sure. You know, the I king. Mean, he had in a, in a way, Diderot had to have a screw loose to say, "Yeah, I know the king is saying that I'm going to get thrown in jail. Now I'm going to keep going." 
I would like to, I would like, can I add this? I would, I would, I don't, I'm not, he had to have a screw loose or tightened, you know, one or the other. He's either, you know what? Screw the king. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is there are some people in history that have, you know, I might not be there with you, but we're going to get to the mountaintop. You know, there are some people that see the threat, aware that the threat is real, and they make the decision to continue with the work. Right. And even if the NFL won't hire him. Right. It's it's braver. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. It's, it's braver, like foolhardy. Right. And and just sure. Some, That's and, what and, I'm saying. And, and a lot of cases, one loose or tightened. Yeah. And I'm and and some days I'm like, I I don't think I can tell the difference, and I don't know that there is a difference. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Brave as if it works. Foolhardy as if it doesn't. Right. Yeah. If you do this yeah, thing, yeah, and it, yeah. If you take the risk and succeed, right. oh, you're very brave. You know, right, if you fall right, down right. the ravine, they're like, well, he was foolhardy. Yeah. Well, he's an idiot. Right. right. But I will say, uh, we got to have him. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, yeah. I'm glad he. I'm glad he was yeah, too yeah, goddamn yeah. stubborn to give up. Because I'm crazy. One right. of the two. Right. Or you know? yeah. In addition to the threats from the French officials, Diderot uh, also found himself on the brink of poverty. He was ultimately forced to sell his personal library to Catherine of Russia, uh, who allowed him to keep the volumes at his home in France and paid him a stipend to serve as as, as her librarian. So the uh, Catherine from Russia. Uh, basically, is the reason he was able to finish financially. Right, right. I mean, that's so. So, so here, a woman, of, of, a woman, uh, right, came okay. in and said, "Is the king an asshole? Men are assholes. Let me help you out." So she basically said, "I'll buy all your books. You can keep your books, so you can finish your project." Right. You know, and 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 you be my personal librarian of my collection of books, which are actually yours in your house. It's a cool. It's a money laundering scheme. She set up a a shell company. She set up a shell company, right? This is Manafort, is what this (laughs) is. And it just happens to be Russia. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Who who had Uh, a bit of a beef with France at the time. So part of this is the king doesn't like it. Ah, fuck that guy. Yeah. (laughs) She knew it was. Yeah. Okay. So uh, supported by the generosity of the Russian empress, Diderot was able to continue his work. In 1765, so now we're talking about uh, years, 10 years, a decade has passed. 14 years. 14 years has passed, right? Volumes 1 through 17 were published by a printer in Switzerland and disassembled across uh, France and throughout Western Europe. Much to Diderot's despair, it was discovered that the printer had removed many controversial articles from the final version. Despite this, the encyclopedia was well-received and marked a historic victory for for free thought. Now, here's just some little information here. Diderot continued his work on the encyclopedia until 1772. So what does that get up to? 20, 21 years. 21 years. 21 years of his life, you know, to get this. 25 years of difficulty. Uh, well, 25, I guess, from this. Because he, he spent four. Just getting shit ready. Just getting shit ready. Yeah. So 25 years of his life uh, of difficult and sometimes dangerous work was culminated in the publication of approximately 4,200 sets. So they published 4,200 of them, uh, comprised of 28 volumes. So a 28-volume set. Of books, yes. And 4,200 complete sets. Yeah. Uh, 72,000 articles in there on human thought. That's so great. 3,000 illustrations. You know, you ima- I mean, you- Peter just taught us how long it would take to do one. They had 3,000 in there. Diderot's work persists today in libraries and museums around the world and has gained even greater exposure through the advent of the Internet. I mean, men and women like this, to me, is the hope that we have. Right. You know? 
and then the fact that human beings want to acquire that knowledge yeah. you know what i'm saying it's not just that there's one guy out there like i got to put this together i'm driven i'm driven there's what really ends up supporting it is the rest of us being like i want this knowledge yeah that's beautiful to me curiosity mixed with some obsession you know hey if you want to support you know this sort of endeavor go send five dollars to wikipedia because that's the same thing. it's the same thing it's a bunch of people that are curious and a lot of them are obsessed. Yeah. You know, obsessed. First send 15 to us. Because <laughs> uh, Catherine is no longer in Russia. Right. We need help. If anybody wants to buy my junk and let me keep it, and I will be your junkatarian. You curator of I'll be your. Junk. I'll be the curia- curator of your junk. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Peter John Burns, Tom Simmons. Go look up Diderot. Read a little bit, you know. It's an interesting dude, interesting time period. Thank you. Who listens to the end? I don't understand. I mean, what's... Really, why am I still talking? It's... All right, uh, this is, I guess, the small print of the podcast. Is that what it is? Is that when the, you pull out the glasses that you have to kind of slide down the nose and read the bottom of the bottle kind of thing? Uh, it was so-called produced by Matt Holt. I don't know what he did, but there was something he wants his name on here. Uh, intro music is really Greg Brown. I picked it because I love Greg Brown, and I was hoping someone would listen to this podcast and go, what was that music? I want to find out what that is. Go listen to Greg Brown. Outro music was sweet, sweet. Uh, you know, rate and review, you know, whatever. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I think that's a button that you push. It's kind of like liking something. Or You know what annoys me is when I send someone a text and then I get a message back that says so-and-so liked your text. Don't do that to me. Don't, do, don't answer my text or answer me, but don't like my... Uh, tell a friend about this podcast or don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, and thanks for listening. This has been a Perfecta Podcast Network production. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities Perfecta Podcast Network production. Say that 11 times and, and try to enjoy life. See, I've been learning, making it on my own. Well, my mind is turning, thinking of how I've gone from the heart.